Welcome to episode 8 of Chasing the Nimbus. I am Nimu, and this is my co-host. It's Moopy! Every week, we spin a wheel and land on a random anime. We must watch interview that anime next week. If we choose not to, we have to instead spin the... Punishment Wheel. Where we've collected a number of terrible garbage that we will then be forced to watch instead. Last week, we covered Dead Man Wonderland. That episode was definitely fun, so be sure to check that out. You can find us on... Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and other major podcast networks. Also, be sure to visit the channel Nimu on YouTube for anime and manga videos. Do you have anything you want to plug Instagram? No. If you don't, Moopy's coming for you, okay? I'm going to get you. More intimidating. Oh, sorry. I'm going to get you. Anyway, at the end of the last week. Anyway, at the end of last week, we spun the wheel and it landed on Watamote, or <laughs> no matter how you look at it, it's you guys' fault I'm not popular, exclamation point. We've been meaning to watch this one, so I was happy we are getting it early and out the way. Watamote is a manga series from Japan, written and illustrated by the author and artist who used the collective pseudonym, Niko Tanagawa. It began serialization on Square Enix's how do you say that? Gangan. Gangan. Comics online service on August 4th, 2011. In North America, it is licensed by Yen Press. On July 8th, 2013, Silver Links television anime adaptation began airing. How would you describe Watamote? I would describe Watamote as the story of a lonely femcell. Uh hanging out on 4chan too much, and then having to go to school. And that's it, really. There's not really anything else to it. She is Hannah from Hannah and Alice. Correct. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Uh, she mostly... What's her name? Tomoko Kuroki is a girl who hangs out by herself and is creepy and uh, socially awkward and extremely uh uh unlikable i guess i don't know it's it's a very it's a cringe it's a it's a cringe fest it's this it's a very very cringe based humor and narrative driven uh story it can sort of be described as hyper realistic slice of life and this girl isn't necessarily like gross or unlikable but she's so trapped inside of her own head mm. that when she does attempt to do things, she's like disconnected from reality and mm -hmm. it comes off totally weird to the people around her. Correct. Yeah. Um, there's really no other plot besides like her slowly, very, very, very slowly trying to uh, uh, accept and deal with some of those behaviors. But really, the progress in the anime is extremely glacial. So there's really only the hints of any sort of progress in her character or progression of her character. And things are a little bit different in the manga, but we'll get into that and we'll get more into, like, why she acts the way she does, yeah. why people try to, like, relate to that, even yeah. though they shouldn't, obviously. The main way I would describe it is, like, punishing, I feel like. <laughs> depending, on, depending on how much you uh, empathize with characters in the media that you uh, consume, it can range from punishing too extremely cringy, too kind of humorous, but I, I think punishing is the main way that I would describe it personally. This is not a 
revolutionary or new type of media, there's been these like yeah. very awkward, dry dissections of like mundane human or like interactions before. Mm-hmm. Um, it was new at the time yeah. for this type of manga, though. In 2011, this is pretty. This is pretty on the edge of stories written about this kind of thing. But now we have a lot of anime and manga that I think trace themselves back to like a, li- a, a line, a lineage of stories like this. There's like, what is it? Comey Can't Communicate? I've never seen it, but I, I think I've had a socially awkward girl. It's just that I think what's interesting about this one is that it is not, it's not trying to make Tomoko, the main character, that likable. She's supposed to kind of be cringy and weird and kind of off-putting, depending on how much you personally uh, want to identify with her. Whereas the, the manga that have come after, the animes that have come after, I think, have realized that you can't sell as much if your uh, main character girl who's socially awkward isn't also, like, hot and stacked. And you just get to talk to her because you're the one cool guy who gets to talk to the hot girl who didn't want to talk to people before. Things have kind of gone the way of, like, Miss Nagataro or whatever that one's called. Right, where sure. it's just, like, a mean girl bullying you. Yeah. Or, like, my dress-up darling. Where the yeah. incel is actually really talented at some niche thing. Or she's just, like, really hot, and only you get to talk to her. Well, yeah, the hot, sexy girl finds an interest in your niche hobby that no one knows about, basically. Yeah. I mean, I find I take a very cynical view of that progression, but uh, it also just kind of makes sense, because you can't have 100 stories of really unlikable people. I mean, I, I would like that, but uh, I think most people, there just wouldn't be any, there wouldn't be any market for it, and the stories wouldn't get to get made if they were all about unlikable people. It's weird to think that Watermoat might be the, like, you know, you know, like, uh, mech anime, right? Yeah. You know how there's surface level mech anime, and then there's, like, deconstructive mech anime? Sure. It's funny to think that Watermoat is, like, a, a tier deeper than, like, Slice of Life or something. It's like... Oh, yeah. It's like deconstructive Slice of Life. Well, what, would you say character study is, uh, appropriate? Yeah, because it's not supposed to be ironic. It's sincere. Yeah, I mean, there's humor, but it's like self self deprecating humor, and most of the things that are happening are yeah, they're played off as sincere, and they're not played off as satire or jokes or anything. Yeah, and to a girl that spends all day on the internet, your brain is uh, like a little pot of jello up there. You know what I mean? So like. Overacting to all this shit isn't like some unsurprising thing or anything. We'll talk. We'll talk more about it. But I think the one thing I thought was missing was how much of her life was spent online. Because I feel like this character was written to be someone who is extremely online, and their brain has been partially melted by playing on the computer too much. And that maybe felt like it was a. It was. It was something that I felt like was a glaring uh, omission. Even though anyone who's watched, like read it or watched it and identified personally with it, probably knows already. But that was part of it. Like, I was definitely like that when I was younger, but I wasn't, like, as much of, like, a sexual degenerate, mm. honestly. Mm. So, like, I relate to, like, uh, the, whatever, finding smut online or whatever meme. Right. It's understandable, but and it's understandable why the character would be, whether or not you personally kind of identify with it. Because yeah. you, you as a person who spent enough time on the computer, knows how easy it is to become a weird person obsessed with strange, like weird porn you find on the internet or whatever. Yeah, I guess I'm a fake fan, so I suppose. sure. Yeah, you're not as committed as Wadamo is. 
there there is one example in this or that thing I've said before comes up mm. where someone projects their uh, like okay so there's this thing where people will watch a totally normal piece of media and be like that's a fetish thing and it's right. like I think you're just a degenerate and you're projecting your own sexualization onto sure. them. Yeah, people see media and they put their own proclivities on display by saying that they see them in other things, even though they may or may not have been intentional. Probably not. Also, there's this like weird um, kind of Puritan aspect that even people with these like degenerate sexual fantasies in, where they're like embarrassed about them. So, like, you see this play out during the idol scene or whatever. I'm just going to get ahead of it. Yeah. Where the girl in front of her is like, oh, say, like, she tells this male idol or voice actor, like, right, please tear me apart or whatever. And he's like, yeah, sure. That's his job. He's like, okay, whatever. Right. So he does it. And the girl walks away and um, she's judging her. But then she gets up there and, and shares what she actually wants. And is everyone is like, fucked up. Yeah, and everyone's like, holy fuck, dude, are you okay? <laughs> well, yeah, these things all get exp exponentially, like, magnified the more time you spend alone, like, goofing off on the computer looking at weird porn and stuff. Um, and I think that it's very, yeah, it's very clear that the character, and, I mean, that's the part of the honesty of the show, is that it's pointing a finger at people who would be judgy or weird about other people's, you know, preferences, and the character is clearly extremely judgmental. That's part, that's part of the awkwardness, and uh, difficulty connecting is that the character can't stop judging other people yeah there's a term that is a little like online and edgy but it's called intellectual incest and sure. what happens is when you spend all your time you have no one to bounce your thoughts off of you're not right you're not even interacting you're not even on a forum you're not right. on discord you're just looking at shit yep. and your brain breaks mm -hmm. and you get further and further from reality and then you're like no one understands me and it's like no one understands you because you don't even know what you're talking about anymore. You're crazy. Right. You've you've lost the ability to understand yourself. So now you're in this like weird spiral of getting weirder and weirder. Yeah, and throughout Watermote, um, I mean it, she loses the plot. And the one thing I do like about the show is that it doesn't tell you to totally check out and be a loser mm -hmm. and like wallow in despair. It's like she's still trying to do shit. Sure. And at the the last episode, hinting towards like you know the more lesbian shit in the manga, yeah. she's like, I like that she tries. Yeah, it, the last episode is kind of the only glimmer of hope that you get for the character, mm -hmm. uh, because the rest of the the rest of the episodes are essentially the same thing happening over and over, uh, which is that you know fucking up the social interactions you're desperately trying to make work. Uh, but yeah, I think the last episode leaves some room and it leaves some, I don't know room for the authors to like have a point of what this was all about because i think some people also kind of miss that because of how quick and short it is and and not focused on really it is because yeah. i i don't know i read a lot of the comments on these shows and stuff and it seems like a lot of people think that it was kind of a waste of time or the last episode is like pointless or the show itself is pointless which is i mean it's partially true because not a lot happens but i think the point if there is one is that yeah this is the author's trying to say that it takes a lot of effort and fucking up if you're in this situation or in this spot where you're not successfully able to do this thing to to even get to the start the starting line of like making progress yeah the hardest part about doing anything is literally just like going to do it for most right people. right and i'm 
if you're so far gone, you don't understand that, like, her having fun with, like, you, like, when they reconnect for the first time and hang out, mm -hmm. there's still value there. The punchline is, like, oh, you as a boyfriend, so the reason she seems upset is superficial to Tomiko. But Tomiko, right. remember, you have to remember, Tomiko is not the narrator. She is a goofy 12-year-old. You're not supposed to take, or not that she's not the narrator, she's not the author. Right. Exactly. Yeah, the author has a very different message than, than Tomoko herself does in the story. Yeah, you don't have to be, like, don't take the word of a silly 12-year-old that's online all day. Mm -hmm. Realize that you could have fun with people that you used to hang out with. That's, it's, like, very straightforward. Yeah, and I think, I think a little bit the people who excessively say, like, it's just like me, it's just like me, I'm, I'm exactly Tomoko, I think they do miss a little bit of the point of what the story is about. Which, I mean, it's not like you have to be a genius to figure this shit out, but I think people willfully or willfully either ignore it or they just don't have a lot of me like media literacy yet. Like, they are, they are the children of the sea guy learning emotions, and they're reading Watamote and going, this is me, this is me. I found it really interesting when the director told me to have emotions. Yes. <laughs> All right, so we're going to table this and continue it in a minute because I wrote, like, a whole thing up for this. Correct. Um... We can take a quick detour and touch on this for like a minute. Mm -hmm. The opening and the ending are fantastic. Oh, yeah. As soon as the opening kicked in, following a review of Dead Man Wonderland, I was like, oh, fuck yeah. yeah. The opening goes hard, and it's just what I needed after Dead Man Wonderland. My favorite opening is, um, I think, episode 10, where she they redo the seating arrangement, mm -hmm. and she like overreacts, and then it cuts into the opening. That's so sick. Yeah, they ha it's interesting because not a lot of anime do this, which is like working the openings and endings into the, into the, the plot. Or, I mean, you know, it's a budgetary thing, I think, for the most part. If the, if the, if the creators care enough, it's probably a budgetary restriction. But uh, it's cool when they are able to work in the opening into the, the start of the show or they work the ending into having a special ending that's like relevant to the plot of the episode or something. I think those are really cool. And it's a shame you don't get to see them more often. Yeah, I think they're usually reserved for, like, special moments in the opening and outro. Serve yeah. more as, like, bumpers, almost. Yeah. No, they have plot relevance, or they have, like, you know, they have, uh, they have authorial voice relevance, uh, if you want to call it that, in motto mode, at least. If you watch, like, a really good episode of JJK that's, like, super important, they'll end it with the outro music playing as, like, Ghetto is, like, standing in the rain or whatever, right? But the thing that's cool about Watamote is that they also have unique song ending songs for a lot of the episodes, which I think is really cool. Yeah, where she's like on the bus after um, episode four or whatever. Yeah, and I really like the one the on the bus episode. I like the one when she goes to the red light district. I mean, I like all of them really. The red light yeah, district. That one was, was good. That, that one one's was very good. funny. And the episode two ending with you is really great. That one's the best one, I think. Um, did you like the last ending where she's, like, running by everyone and it's, like, teasing? Oh, yeah, that was pretty weird. I kind of like that. Yeah, that's the that's the opening song, but played at the end, and she's, like, having, like, a whole screaming, sprinting fit at the end. There is something that I think you probably liked, and we'll, we'll talk about it. Something specific about camp. the ending? No, the uh, animation in that episode. We'll, we'll talk about it sure. when we get there that well, did you notice anything specific I liked about the ending? <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So the manga has some differences from the anime. I believe the manga is actually ongoing to date all these years later. There's still episodes coming out like as of last week. Yeah, that's that's good. I mean, that's pretty long. It makes me feel a little better, actually. <laughs> They're on some One Punch Man time shit. Let's uh -huh. go. It was one of the first to do the painful slice of lifestyle it embodies, but has largely remained in continuation thanks to the, quote, Yuri Harem, quote, elements, but in sincerity and... Both in sincerity and ironically, the authors themselves actually tease this in the manga with the main character Tomoko herself saying, The two of you will harbor Yuri feelings for me. That plot element is essential, anyway. Whenever I talk to some other girl, you better become jealous and flirty in a way that gets across to the viewers. Ironically, I do think there is something to this anime that might appeal on a different level, so like gay women, and the confusion one experiences as a Watamote growing up. Not that the quote Yuri harem quote elements accurately translate that experience in some meaningful way or something. What do you think of that fact? Does that surprise you whatsoever? Um that there is a lot of Yuri stuff in it? Both that and that um, the, you know, uh, gay teenager right. feel The audience, you like, might imagine, actually is not the audience for this sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I think yeah. beca because it's a story that is about uh, someone growing up and dealing with complicated feelings, both social and maybe romantic, it makes perfect sense that people might just, like, uh, uh, empathize with that or uh, get some meaning out of that. Personally, I think it's kind of strange that the show has gone from one to the other, but it's not, you know, I'm not the creator, so whatever. You know? Um, it started, it's, it, it's not strange because of the content, it's strange because um, it's atypical for a story to change so much in terms of what the the themes are the themes of the story are now almost totally different right would you say if you yeah. take you know the manga at least uh it's interesting to watch a story go from completely about one thing to almost none of that other thing got like even left behind just the character herself is still there and she's kind of weird but almost entirely the story in the manga now is about girls and girls hanging out and being friends and maybe a little bit more than that and tomoko in the in the I guess you'd say the last half of the manga now has tons of friends and is not alone at all and gets to do all sorts of fulfilling high school activities and stuff. She's still weird and is awkward and has a hard time talking in front of like large crowds of people and stuff, but she has like a core friend group and has people to like rely on and stuff and has like, I haven't read that much of it, but from what I've skimmed of the little bits that I checked out, the manga, she, like, has people that she cares about sincerely, and that's, like, a big thing. So it's very weird to read a story and then go, this is actually not about that, and now it's this, which is fine. I mean, that's the way a thing grows, and it's been being made for a very long time now, as far as manga go. So it's cool to see. Um, I don't think I'd personally read it, but, yeah, I think that's interesting. I like Watamo, the anime, as a time capsule, as someone mm. who's seen the series, obviously, in retrospect now, right? Yeah, I think the the series the series has a very different message uh, than the manga. I think, and maybe that's also partially why I'm a little not as interested in the manga because when you go from I mean, my interpretation is 
You know, I didn't exact, I was not exactly a Watamote growing up. I mean, I, everyone has a little bit of those characteristics here and there, unless they're extremely extroverted, but I, I was not. You weren't a girl? Uh, I was not a girl and I was not uh, an extreme extrovert. So there's, everyone has, has like hints and elements of that, but I think that my interpretation of it, like I enjoy that it's like a punishing, uh, cringy experience and there's some humor to be found in that, but I think with the knowledge that she becomes someone who has lots of friends and ha- kind of lives this somewhat charmed later part of the story, it's a very different feeling watching the anime. Because the anime, taken by itself with no knowledge of what happens later, is just like a long, torturous, <laughs> a long, torturous thing to get through with mo- like small moments of light in there. But it's very like, I would say you wouldn't want to watch it all at once. It can be hard to watch all at once. Can I give my why I think that I understand the direction the manga went, and I think it probably would have been nice if you were reading alongside it argument? Absolutely. I, I'm uh, very open to that interpretation. Okay. I was young in 2013. I was like right the exact age of Watermelon, right? Right. If not a little older. So my kind of thing is like if I started reading that um, when it was first serialized to now, I think I would have absolutely loved it and having her go from being a fucking loser to like having a life and just doing gay shit personally. I think that probably was nice for some people that were actively reading it. But like you said, um, watching it now, it's like, I don't know, man. I just, I'm not really into that shit. I'm, I'm old. Uh, you're even older than I am. It's like, do I really need to watch like some? Yeah. Okay. Whatever, you know. I don't I'm I'm too old to really care about that sort of thing at this point. And it wasn't my experience, so it's not nostalgic that much for me. So what I like, I mean, there's things that we'll talk about more overall how I felt about it or whatever, but my feeling watching it, it's it's cool to watch something that really commits this hard to being what it is, the anime itself. Commits very hard to being this cringy, uh ex- like torturous experience to get through. And I, I respect that it was, it was something, I respect that it's trying to really do that all out. And it's not doing a half measure of like a Comey can't communicate where, oh, but look, she's actually hot and she's your friend and everything's great, actually, if you, you know, just ha- talk to the, the hot sack girl or whatever. Um, so I, I like it for that. And I like that it commits to something that can be kind of difficult to sit through, but has sort of a message laid, layered within it. So I think that's really cool and respectable. And I totally understand that people reading it as it's coming out have a very different approach to it and people who empathized with it more personally had a different approach to it and i absolutely understand that but yeah so it's just a personal subjective very subjective thing why i liked the maybe original wave of this like social or self-dissective like humor and stuff Mm -hmm. was that it was still sincere Mm -hmm. but when we get into like um later on like now everything has to have like a lace of like irony to it and maybe mm-hmm. even like a double irony right. and it just bugs me i i'll never think that is like cute or anything i think it's just lame like when people like you'll watch a youtuber and they'll tell like a dad joke and it's very obviously supposed to be a bad dad joke yeah instead of just saying the dad joke they'll be like um, I'll see myself out. It's like, shut the fuck up. Just say the dad joke. It's fine. Well, it's like soy dad joke instead of honest dad joke. 
I mean, it's a, it's a form of, it's a form of distancing yourself from the sincerity of, of making, you know, whatever point you were making. And that, that sort of distancing is, uh, I think as we get, as, as we progress further and further from the 2000s and 2010s, I think that level of humor will get cringier to us. I don't know if it'll get cringier to the mainstream population or whatever, because I feel like there's always going to be a market for like 10 year olds who think it's funny to like, hey, they've just learned what irony is and it's funny to do it. Um, I think it's looped back around actually to where people are just like telling like family guy tear jokes again and like clapping sure. at them. Uh-huh. Well, I can only hope because we have to maintain that family guy level of sincerity at all times. Just watch uh, any kick stream, and I'm sure you'll find uh, some. I'm too old to know what that is. I don't know what that is. You don't know what kick is? How do you spell it? K I C K. It's it's like the competitor to Twitch, but not as racist as Rumble. Um, so yeah. it's like Vine. It's Twitch with gambling. Twi- That's is this literally one of you, Dan? Kids is Vines. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so for the next point, let's put aside the fact it's an anime and manga because weebs are going to weeb and fetishize anything from Japan. Sure. So there's an aspect of the series that isn't so included in the anime, but it should be obvious. There's, of course, people that engage with this cartoon about a middle school girl on the same level one would normally watch The Wire or read a Tolstoy novel. We're not talking to those people. No, wait, that's me. That. That's what I do. Did, does my point come there come across as clear what I'm talking about? No, I totally say no. Understand what you're saying. I'm just saying that I think the whole point of this is we're gonna make like a three hour podcast about talking about Watamut. It's fine. <laughs> we're engaging anyway, with the media. Yes, continue. Sorry, but like we're not talking to those people. If you're one of the people that watches Watamut and is like, I feel so sad for her. I wish I was her friend. I would join her club in school. Look. Go away. <laughs> Go away. We already have one of those on the podcast. Go away. Just enjoy There's the There's not enough room enough for the both of us. Don't let the thoughts enter your brain. Keep your brain smooth and cute. Anyway, the next level is the literally me crowd. People who watch the cartoon of a middle school girl struggling to find herself and fit in and go, oh my god, I stay up later than I should and in porn, she's just like me for real for real. Yeah, you can get out too. Because we already have another, we have one of those on the podcast also. Ooh. <laughs> one of it's us not... is one... <laughs> one of us is the first level, but another of us is the second level. I leave it up to the viewers to decide. It's not that I'm above that or having fun, but it's not just a joke, right? It's a sincere admission, or even unfortunately, a romanticization of what they actually are. There's no question. What do you what do you think of that point? <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely agree with you. Um, having read the comments on every episode, when I stream the when I stream these shows, I typically part of the first initial research that I do, quote unquote research, is that I'll check the comments in most of the episodes. Uh, just you know, see if there's People will sometimes say the names of the songs or they'll have facts about the author or something. So th- you'll just pick up a little shit from, you know, weirdos who have little uh, qu- quotes and uh, quips and trivia to post in the comments a lot. But I would say 98% of the comments on every single episode of this show were, she's just like me, oh my God. Or they were, I can't, 
I, I need to find Tomoko so that I can protect her. <laughs> so I'd say almost every comment was like that. There was almost not a single comment in every episode that was not one of those two opinions. <laughs> um, it's hard to look past. It's hard to look past that. That's what this show. That's how this show has been received by a lot of the audience. I, I guess the Western speaking audience is how a lot. That's the majority of how I think the show has been received, even though. If you take any amount of time to analyze it, that's not what the show is or should be received as. That's just how people take it. We found a girl more incompetent than Shira, like more of a baby than Shira oh from God, Dead Men yeah. Wonderland. And people are like, God, I wish they were both my girlfriend. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> I think you guys should just get a job, get married and have kids. I think you want to have a child. You want to have a little baby that you can watch anime with. That's, I think, what it is. Just have a kid so you can watch Naruto with somebody. You want to watch Naruto, but you're embarrassed that there isn't a child sitting next to you watching it. So that's really what the main point is. Or you could be like us and start a podcast. Start a podcast, and then, like, the 98% of commenters on Nine Anime will come to your podcast and say, I agree with you 100%. I also wanted to adopt Watamut. We're working on it. <laughs> it's very funny, though, that I, I... I think that it's fair to say I kind of hate Shiro from Dead Man Wonderland. And I very much I very much like Tomoko in Watamote. Why do you hate Shiro so much? So annoying. Oh. <laughs> Just so annoying. And pointless in the story. Serves no purpose. Okay, so if we were like writing my like girl characters that favorite girls we've, that we've had so far. Mm -hmm. Um Look, Tomoko's up there, right? Tomoko's near the top. Yeah, she's she might be number one. Mm -hmm. But, look, Asuna is so cool in the first part of Sword oh Art God. Online. <laughs> she is such a fresh breath of air in that anime. Competent girl, number one. Yeah, Asuna is like Kusanagi from Ghost in the Shell tier character writing. Sure. Due to what due to what surrounds her. Yes, yes. Compared to the rest of SAO, she is like the she is like the major aunt, like with extra steroids injected into her robot body. Yeah, so I almost like Austin in the best. But look, Shiro is like in third behind Wanamo, and that's okay. good. The case for that's Shiro good. is made. Yeah. She, I like that you hate her because she's just a baby. <laughs> She's just, she's a five-year-old with like super strength and eats candy and says noms all the time. She's very annoying. <laughs> I got mad during that podcast and I was like, I hate Shiro because I don't want to baby feel like I'm babysitting while I watch anime. Uh -huh. But Shiro is like the happy baby and Shiro is like the annoying baby. Uh-huh. <laughs> They're both so annoying. Okay. Shiro, I'm just glad that Shiro didn't have access to the internet. Shiro would become <laughs> Shiro would become a watermote, I think. I think Shiro would become like a serial killer. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, if you've seen Dead if you read Dead Man Wonderland, you know that Shiro is a serial killer. <laughs> it would be like one of those like delinquent schoolgirl serial killers from the 80s that have like TikTok edits of them. Mm. Yeah, Shiro, I think what happens is Shiro goes sicko mode every time they they reconnect the Wi-Fi. And then Shiro like goes on the internet for five minutes and goes. Wait. They play Ash Nico and she loses her mind. Literally, yeah. And then she kills like twenty people. And then she goes back. Then they disconnect the Wi-Fi and she goes back to being Shiro. 
Oh, epic gnomes time, guys. Oh, I'm, I'm hungry now. I, I can't go on 4chan anymore, guys. I want my gnomes. So if you want to just be uh, Tomoko's friend, look, like we said, if you're still here, turn this shit off. Go look at, like, Can I Has Cheeseburger pictures and be happy. You'll be much better off. Yeah, be a Shiro. Don't be a Watamote. Let the lullaby stay on. Uh-huh. They don't know what that is if they watch the anime. <laughs> It's fine. Who gives a shit? Oh, there is one thing I did want to say before we get into the, you know, recap and stuff. Oh, yeah. If we ever get to the recap. If we ever get there. I mean, we could probably just talk and not do a recap if we wanted to. Because there's a lot to say about it. Look, if we have, like, three hours and we're not done, it is what it is. Right. This show is for... Mm, yes, it's not for you if you want to be Watamote's friend. It's not for you if you want to protect Watamote. And uphold Watamote thought or whatever. Um, but it is for you if you're a refined anime watcher like myself. Because there's a fuckload of anime references and general pop culture references in it. Which I thought were mildly humorous. Okay. And I had a sensible laugh when I saw them. Spit. Okay, for example, this, this was a deep cut which I really appreciated, honestly. The last episode, there's a reference to another. Have you ever seen the anime Another? I know of it. I think it's on the wheel. It's on the wheel because I like it a lot. It's a it's a somewhat obscure horror anime that is it's one of the better horror animes I think I've ever seen because it's actually played straight and there aren't like a ton of like anime tropes and like gags and you know ironic goofy comedy stuff in it. It's like it's an actual attempt to make like a uh, like a Final Destination style horror anime story. To tell a story. <laughs> they tell they did a they did an actual tell a story, and it is not just a bunch of comedy anime tropes. Sure. Um, so that was really cool to me. There's a there's a ton of Evangelion tropes. The very I think the first or second episode, uh, Tomoko talks about Gantz. Like she makes a reference to Gantz, and I was like, that Tomoko Tomoko definitely watched Gantz. Tomoko watched too much Gantz and got weird. Is what happened between middle school and high school. We're, we're side tabling for a second because mm. there's this very cool Gans interview the author did recently. Oh my god! <laughs> I did not know about Gans. I just thought it looked like some edgy bullshit. Mm -hmm. But I recently read an interview with the author, and we talked about this. Mm -hmm. Um, and Moopy like two days ago was like, "Why don't we watch his Gans? That makes so much sense." Yes. Yes. Um. So the guy from Gans, can you by explain how he is as a person real quick? It's hard to explain it to him without a visual aid. Sure. Because he looks like he would be in like a two thousands era like shitty action movie. He the last time I saw a picture of him, I think he had bleached hair and like weird sunglasses on in an interview. He's a fucking weird dude. Uh it's it's really hard to describe him without just looking at a picture of him and going, That guy's like a fucking weirdo. Uh, he reminds me of, oh, this is a good, he reminds me of, um, do you know the Ruby guy, the animator, the head animator for Ruby? Yeah, I do. And you know how he's always wearing, like, fingerless gloves and, like, had, like, dyed hair and looked like an anime, like, it looked like a Kingdom Hearts character? Matrix, no drip. Yeah, I think Gan the Gantz author kind of looks like he wants to be in the Matrix, and he's, every every interview I've ever seen of him, he looks like he's in the Matrix. He uh, looks like a Trigun character. <laughs> sure, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Anyway, he's just a fucking weirdo. <laughs> he's cool as shit, though. Yeah, and like, uh, you know Uwe Boll or whatever? Yes. 
He's kind of cool in that way. If that makes yes. sense. Like he is, he is fully committed to being like a a dumbest shit, like awesome, epic, anime guy. He's a low cow, but there's no irony. Sure. Yeah. It's it's a complete lack of irony. I think is that he's just like seriously committed to being like weird as fuck and really really be the coolest manga guy ever with giant titties and explosions everywhere. So in this like recent interview, he's like talking about like movies and like all he talks about is the most like basic stuff on earth. He's like, I like alien and die hard. And he's <laughs> acting like it's like a profound thing. He's like, also to be honest, the matrix is good. And it's just like, <laughs> Oh my God. And then so um, funny, dude. he just has not progressed. And then after he lists 20 of the most basic bitch movies ever, he's like the top 20 blockbusters. Yeah, of like the 80s and 90s. Yeah. He goes, uh, Lord of the Rings is for role-playing nerds, Harry Potter is for geeks, and I'm worried about uh, the attack on J.K. Rowling and like the f- and the Barbie movie because it spreads feminism to the West and that's dangerous. And it's just like, this guy sucks, but it's so cool. Yeah, it's really rough that the coolest fucking guy ever <laughs> he's essentially like Andrew. He's like an Andrew Tate guy who turned who became a manga author. Yeah, there's like a, <laughs> it's like a B character in Trigun <laughs> being like, "I'm worried about this Barbie movie spreading woke feminism." It's just yeah, like, yeah. It's very fun. He's a very funny guy. Anyways, uh, he has the same opinions as the quarter, <laughs> but looks like yeah. Neo from the Matrix. Literally, yeah. Literally, it's so funny because. All of his opinions are for like the grossest like boomer nerds out there, <laughs> but he's just dressed in like all leather and has bleached hair and sunglasses. You could jingle keys in front of him and say it was directed by James Cameron and stars Bruce Willis, and he'll somehow think it's like an A plus. Needs more explosions. Yeah, but if you show him any new successful movie, he'll just say go broke, go broke. Yeah, I mean it's obvious. It's obvious that that would be. What happened? Because all of his shit is extremely edgy. All of his work, all of his work is about giant titties, explosions, guns, fucking, uh, pot- body parts being torn off and stuff. I think his his most recent manga is about a giant naked lady. <laughs> sure, I'll just um. That sounds probably right. Yeah. So Tomoko's favorite, or whatever, like one of her favorite manga anime being guns is like. Very fair that she spends all day online and is out of touch with reality. She probably she probably binge read Gantz like there's like 300 plus chapters of Gantz. She probably read it over a weekend and then she got like really fucked up from that. She's lucky she was not like a Zoomer because she would be in like the Sneeko Discord right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is probably yeah. It's lucky that it came out in 2011 because it would be a much darker. I think it'd be a much darker story if it came out now. Yeah, there would be no hope. Yeah, that's part of what I think is funny about it. I mean, this has nothing to do with what I think about the later progression of the manga, but it, it's it's funny to think that it probably wouldn't be possible for this level of like hopeful, like girl girl friends and like happiness and potential romance happening if the story had started in like 2022 or 2021 or something. It would end with a recreation of the Evangelion choking scene. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it's just it's just goofy because. Yeah, somehow it, it caught at the exact right time for being what it is and progressing to what it is now. 
And I don't think that the authors, if they were younger and started writing manga at a later date, would have been able to have that same progression of like optimism. Because there's optimism in this, even though it's extremely bleak when it starts. I I mean, I feel the same way about uh, Dead Man Wonderland and Zura. Sure. I feel like both those shows would suck ass if they came out today. I mean, I don't know how they... This is not a, oh, they couldn't make this today. But it's like, I just don't know how people could have that level of sincerity with, like, all-out dumb shit and, like, explosions and goofiness. And Dura Ra 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 has just such an optimism about what technology can be. Dead Man Wonderland is just, like, all balls-to-the-walls goofiness, stupidity. But Dura Ra Ra Ra, it's like, I just don't think that you could have that level of optimism about tech at, you know, a decade-plus after the story came out. Yeah, you have to have some, like, weird, um, I forget what they're called. What is the, uh, like, FTX dude? What, what, is there, like, philosophy they would do? Oh, effective altruism. I didn't even look it up. Yeah, so, you have to have some weird, uh, like, Elon Musk, uh, dinosaurs don't exist, technology brain. Right, King DDD is speaking in your ear. Do you know the, like, Republican candidate, Vivek, or whatever? Yeah, your guy. No? Oh. You would have to be like that guy. Yeah. It requires... Nowadays, to make a story with that level of optimism about really stupid tech or, like, weird, you know, hope for people connecting through social media or something, you'd have to be extremely insulated from, like, what regular people interact with and how they deal with, like, society as it has become from technology. You have to be Grimes. Right. You have to be Grimes. And a mangaka, which I guess is maybe that's possible. Grimes might get into writing manga. I'm sure she already has, but she probably does like AI generated manga. Yeah, I was very, yeah, she definitely would. I was very surprised to hear that Vivek is like a computer guy. Is he really? I think that his money, his current wealth comes from having sold like some dumb shit software that sounds like it's made up. I thought it was a medical thing. I thought he was like a, a Shkreli bro. Uh, let me look at, let's look it up. It could be medical software. I mean, that's a huge industry still. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So Vivek did start as a pharmaceutical something or other guy. Shkreli bro. Yeah, he's a Shkreli bro. Definitely, I'd say. Uh, he also, he also started in 2007. He co-founded a private social networking website. He essentially made like a shitty Facebook. And it was sold in 2009. What the fuck? That's his like early career. So yeah, he was like a tech guy. He started he so started like a fail like a fail son Facebook and then sold it for probably millions. <laughs> well, fair enough, I guess. So I think that these guys Vivek definitely is clued into some element of like online, you know, brain melt shit. It's just that he, I think he's completely insulated from, you know, any of the negative aspects of that because he's rich as fuck. Well, during the, uh, like, RNC debate, he was like, climate change is fake, and Elon Musk was immediately, like, interesting <laughs> towards interesting. it. Interesting. A rich guy thinks climate change is fake. Hmm, seems I'm not alone in this vote. Like, what if Elon made manga? I think, I mean, I think you're right, it would be, like, AI-generated manga, but I think that it would, ha it, would, it would have the same level of, like, goofy tech optimism, because he's just, like, a dumbass who has a bunch of money. Yeah, if you want a good, like, uh, sad, weird, nihilistic future manga, just read uh, Blam. That's a good one. I was going to say Blam. Yeah, Blam's good as shit. Don't read Knights of Sidonia, which is on the punishment wheel. Read Blam. Oh boy. 
<laughs> oh, we should put the the blam anime on uh, the punishment wheel. Is there actually an anime for that? It's a shitty 3D uh, CGI movie or whatever. Uh, I don't know if I want to ruin the manga for me. <laughs> oh, this is like an atrocity. That's that's on the punishment wheel. I think it deserves it. His art is so good too. Yeah, I mean the art. Is... The blam is. Anyway, what happened? Might... What were we talking? I think about? your mic cut out. Repeat your song. I said the Blam manga looks sick. Clap it up for movie. Clap, clap, clap. Anyway, we're saying read Watamook, but don't read the manga that Tomoko would write herself, basically. That's a good way to sum it up. Yeah. Don't be who the anime is obviously telling you is stupid. Right. Don't be like Watamook. Learn from Watamook. You said you had an article. Let's read this article. Or do you, did you want to do the 4chan thing? Yeah, I, yeah the, the only other thing before we talk about articles is I did want to mention that uh, the, authors, the authors specifically shout out 4chan for essentially uh, keeping the manga alive. Um, I looked up a couple of different links, and apparently uh, multiple times the author has said that 4chan is essentially directly responsible for their manga still existing. Um, so from what I could find of, you know, very, you know, it's not, it's not fully reliable to, to base things on manga sales. Like you were talking about how the DVD sales were a lot bigger or whatever. Than Chainsaw Man. Yeah. Um, but according to at least, uh, what I could barely scrape up in old Reddit posts and stuff and 4chan, uh, links and things. When Watamote came out in like 2011, it was very unpopular. And it did not sell very well, even when the first manga, you know, first volumes were coming out. And apparently, uh, 4chan is pretty responsible for it getting the Western audience that it did. Mm -hmm. And that led to, like, a big explosion of uh, attention. And according to the author themselves, they say that 4chan is responsible for getting an anime made at all and getting the, the publishing and stuff, the actual collected volumes and stuff made. And from that attention, that led to Japanese attention, which is kind of weird. Uh, it started out not being popular in J Japan and then made its way to 4chan, then made its way back, apparently according to 2chan, the Japanese equivalent or whatever. Sure. Um, it's just an interesting little thing. And it's included on the cover of one of the early volumes that uh let me see if i can pull it up where was where did i see that there's a picture of one of the early volumes yeah one of the early uh collected i think it's maybe it's volume one or volume two says that uh on a foreign board like two ch foreign two chan like board this manga became extremely popular uh so it seems like the authors know that their reach came from like demented internet weirdos who were you know directly identifying with the main authors and stuff yeah they were sort of like she's pepe in a dress i love it yeah she is pepe in a dress that's i mean it's even pre-pepe this was 2011 i guess right pepe wasn't really until a couple of years later actually yeah i guess you're right this is like leak spin era almost mm -hmm. let me send i have this little thing i was going to send you Here's i do wonder like how much of like two chan is just like not japanese people too i, I that's don't know. probably true as well there's definitely a, a part of that i'm sure i'm not as as chan board 
uh, brained as some of these other people were. I mean, I'm, I would say that there was a fork in the road where I could have become a, a 4chan Watamote type person. And my friends, I told my friends that I went to 4chan one time as it, uh, I was in like, I don't know, I was probably 16 or 17. And I told my friends about 4chan and they were like, that shit's weird. Like, don't go on there. And then I just didn't go back to 4chan ever again. I had the opposite where like my friends were on it and I got on it and I was like, this sucks. And right. then when I was friends with Normians, I got onto it because I would like, I still had all my weird interests or whatever. Mm -hmm. I was like, I can't talk about like all my weird shit I enjoy sure. with these people. They listen yeah. to like Happy by Pharrell Williams and just like smile. They... This song makes me feel happy because he says that he is happy. Literally, yeah. They're like, <laughs> I wondered who did let the dogs out. That's like, I hope shit. the dogs are okay. I love to shake it like a Polaroid picture. Oh, yeah, uh, shake it. Um, not that they're dumb, though, That just that, like, they have real-life things going on. Well, yeah, it's like they have, they have tendies to eat when you're trying to debate bro them or, like, whatever. And they don't, they don't have time for your, like, online weird internet bullshit. And that, that was essentially what saved me. I mean, I don't know about saved. I probably would have been fine anyway. But it saved me from, like, a month of being on 4chan, probably, and then getting bored and doing something else. Instead, you got into Scott. I was already into Scott. The Scott kids were the told the ones who told me not to go on 4chan. So there's you know. two ways: Western man Scott <laughs> or not Skank skanking or typing. Yeah, your choice. You became a saxophone warrior. I mean, I already was for a long time. This was this was. I came to 4chan probably a little at the tail end of when I could have possibly been interested in it at all. Yeah. Because I I caught on to it uh, when I was like 16 or 17, maybe, and I feel like. To really get into this kind of shit, you have to be a little bit younger and a little bit less socially adjusted. By that point, I had already been through most of the high school era social adjustment and had enough friends and things going on in my life to not really get caught up in that stuff. I mean, I was busy as shit as it was as a kid. So I just didn't have a lot of time. Ironically, I had more time now as an adult to goof around on the internet, which has led to more weird things coming into my knowledge and stuff like this podcast exactly yes like this podcast um so that wasn't really there was no real point to that i just thought it was interesting that this anime and manga in particular compared to some of the other ones that we've seen seems much more aware of its audience and seems directly communicate seems more willing to directly communicate with its fans which mm -hmm. is it's kind of cool because durarara we talked a little bit about that durarara is partially its existence is partially due to its online fan base. Uh, but in a very different way. It's not, you know, Watamote's like profiting off of its loser nerd uh, audience. And Durarara was more interacting with, its, you know, goofy, weird online people. Yeah, it was very, um, do you remember like the era of like hype beast clothing and stuff in like 2012? Sure. Um, where, like, there would just be, like, a random DJ collective on Tumblr. Mm. And they were, like, seemed really popular, but it was, like, the same thousand people in New York or something that liked them. Yeah, me and all my friends, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> that's kind of what um, uh, Dura was trying to show, in a way. Yeah. Kind of. I think you're right. I think it was a little bit more about the connection with people. It was written partially through a connection with people online. Watamote, I think the author, the author is more just mining from their own like uh, socially awkward 
adolescence and then is able to connect with people based on that. And it's more of a, a one-way conversation, I think, but it's a, it's, a, it's a conversation heavily aware of the two sides of it, heavily aware of its audience. I'm more into Watermote than I would be with another series with its same proclivities, too, because mm. one of the um, people in the group is, like, a woman, right? So it's, mm -hmm. like, I have a lot more charitability than, like, some random, like, incel dude. And it shows there's no degeneracy or anything that I've seen. So. <laughs> well, there's... Uh, you know what I mean. You right. know what I mean. There's the degeneracy of depicting a degenerate person. But I would say it's not like it's not the author's eye is not like lingering upon the de degeneracy with any sort of like, you know, longing or something. I haven't seen the Shiro and other dead man girl bend down to the floor scene. So sure. Yeah, that, that's true. I, I, well, does the manga get that? Right, you know, never mind. I think I think there's a very there's small hints of it. But I do agree with you that. In general, I would say that this is a story about a person who has these weird, uh, you know, perhaps you could call them degenerate proclivities. The Tomoko herself is a fan of like hentai games and has a clear understanding and knowledge, uh, like awareness of, you know, online porn and calls everyone sluts and weirdos and stuff like that. So, but that is the character. And you can differentiate that from the gaze of the author or the, the the perspective of the author. And that's what you're saying, I think. Yeah. The perspective of the author is not one of like leering and longing for Tomoko. It's it's well, to depict, I, I assume, somewhat a self-portrait as a girl. I think the author, yeah. the writer is a male and the artist is a female. But I'm assuming that they both are drawing from some self-depiction or self-deprecation from their past selves and is not looking on to the character of Tomoko as like, you know, a, a girl to be horny for. It's more that this is what I was. It's an avatar to be horny through. Sure. You know, that's, yeah, whatever. I think we made our point. Women <laughs> are, uh, you know, degenerate in a different way. We're like, like, you know, we write Slash instead where like, we're like, oh, Jacob took off his shirt and then Edward took off his shirt. And it was really hot how Jacob's shirt was off. And then he gave me a hug. It's like, that's that's the female brain writing Harry Potter fanfic or whatever people do. Watamo, uh, Tomoko does grope on occasion, or dream of groping on occasion, her friends. Look, I, I wrote fanfic, it's fine. We all do this <laughs> shit. It's, it's normal. Let's not pretend we don't, you know, it's fine. We all, we've all done it. When I say degenerate, I, I mean, like, not in a bad way, by the way. I mean, just like, that's just what it is, and it's totally fine. We've all written My Immortal. Yeah, if if you get upset about calling 4chan, like, uh, fetish culture degenerate, you've never been to 4chan. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting because sometimes sometimes the creepiness and the horniness of these anime does bother me. I mean, obviously it takes a lot for me because I've I've read and seen a lot of weird shit, but the stuff in Watamote doesn't really bother me in the way that stuff like that normally would. It just it's we've said we've said it a hundred times. It's there's a sincerity and honesty in the in the self observation to it. It feels it see it feels the depiction feels felt like someone has been through that and now is writing about themselves in a way that's pretty clear eyed. And I think that that is something that's pretty respectable about it. 
Um, so yeah, I don't know. It it it's, it feels different, even though it's it's presumably some of the same content. It's just about who what the perspective is. Because the way it is written, I can take it more as a joke or a genuine interaction. Yeah, it's the the context is very important, and I think the context really clarifies what's happening in it. Unlike a lot of other anime, where the context only makes it more creepy and fucked up. <laughs> yeah, Watermo, I would not classify it as like smut in any meaningful no, way. No, I would not at all. Unless there's like some super NSFW shit, then. You know, I'll change my mind or whatever, but I haven't seen anything. So not right. from my not from my cursory checking of of the manga and stuff. There's nothing that's that bad. No. Yeah, I'm just like not looking up rule thirty four of a middle schooler either. So sorry. There's no need. It's just not. It's not. It's not going to help anyone. Yeah, other people are doing that, so don't worry. Yeah, I'm sure that half your audience is doing it right now. Jesus, did what? you read um? <laughs> it's your audience too. Oh, Did right. you read him? <laughs> I was like, it's your audience too. What are you talking Oops. about? Well, I'm going to continue insulting your audience and forget that I'm a part of that. That's a really cool idea. <laughs> <laughs> they love it anyway. I'm sure they're into that. I feel like these episodes are so... Uh... On the topic of making fun of people. Yeah. Uh, I have done a little bit of research. Are we going to skip the recap? I don't think we really... Do you want to do an episode by episode recap? I'm doing the recap. All right. Well, do you want to save the article for later? If you want to. Does the article, like, get into the thing? Uh, it's it's just a stupid article. It's just dumb as shit. Okay. It doesn't talk about the, it doesn't talk about the episodes in any particular detail. You don't even want to go over it? It's boring? No, I'm definitely down to talk about it. It's just, it'll be, it'll probably be, makes more sense to, to recap first then. All right. Let's do it. Do you care about time? We, we could cut short if you want. I don't give a shit. I'm just going to play Armored Core when this is over. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. Let's start the episode recap. All right. Now let's start the episode. With all of that out of the way. Yeah. An hour later, <laughs> let's start the episode. We can do these quick, though, because honestly, these episodes, they're kind of the same thing. They're kind of beat for beat, very similar. Yeah, we're talking about, like, Elon Musk and Gans. It's like... Yeah, I, just before we begin, yeah, word to the to the audience. There, Like we said, there's not a lot of, you know, character progression in this show. And the narratives of these episodes essentially are, like, you know, instead of Monster of the Week, it's, like, Embarrassment of the Week. Like, what did, what did Tomoko fuck up this time? And there's not... It's very episodic in nature without an overarching thing really happening. Yeah. Anyways, we can continue. You, would you like to start us off with episode one? Sure. Let's begin with episode one of Watamote, or it's no matter how you look at it, it's you guys' fault. I'm not popular. Yes. Um, episode one. Since I'm not popular, I'll change my image a bit. Tomoko Kuroki believes she'd be popular upon entering high school. Having spent countless hours playing Otome games, that's like, you know, horny boyfriend, boy love games, or whatever you want to call those. Uh, however, two months have passed since she started high school, and she hasn't made a single friend, let alone a boyfriend. After taking a look in the mirror, she realizes she is not the popular girl she thought herself to be. Uh, she vomits when she sees herself in the mirror. Uh, she pukes a lot in this uh, show. We've all uh, been there. We've all looked at ourselves and just started throwing up uncontrollably. Uh, wanting to change, Tomoko comes to her brother Tomoki to try and learn to conduct a conversation with a guy, which only irritates him. Uh, Tomoki, for some reason, also 
has weird big bags under his eyes and looks all weird. He has those because of his, who his sister is, basically. I guess, yeah, his sister stresses him out so much he can't sleep. Anyway, uh, the next day, Tomoko tries doing the high school girl thing, uh, tries doing high school girl things, such as reading in a bookshop and eating at a burger joint, but it does little to raise her esteem. Um, <laughs> there's really nothing to this episode. I mean, we're gonna, I'm going to say this about every episode. Uh, Tomoko realizes she's like a weird, ugly girl, and she tries to look like the high school slut that she imagines all high school girls are supposed to be. And yes. she just looks like a deranged alien. Um, that's the main part of this episode. Yeah. <laughs> so there's not too much to say. Uh, I do think her relationship with her brother is cute in Lionel May. I think it's very cute, yes. I also like that that is the start of the show, and then that leads into the ending credits of every episode. After the after the ending plays, there's a little like you know, shitty f- uh, flash animation of the two characters talking about kind of what happened in that episode and what's going to happen in the next episode. Yeah, and I guess the only thing to mention is that Mufia has said before that like a girl makeup is the female equivalent of a fedora. I've said that. So when she puts on like the e-girl makeup to try and be sexy, she kind of just looks like a goofball. Yeah, it's it's the same thing as the fedora guy, like thinking he looks dapper with his like stupid little hat. And she's not ugly, but she makes herself look ugly by doing the ridiculous makeup. Yeah, she only she only makes herself look weirder and more like more abnormal because she's trying to do the, you know, Instagram selfie style. Uh, high school girl thing or whatever. Uh, episode two. Since I'm not popular, I'll see my old friend. Tomoko receives a call from her old middle school friend, Yu Naruse, or however you would say it, asking to meet up with her, though she becomes nervous about meeting her due to her uneventful high school life. Whilst trying to improve herself before her meeting, she ends up spending an annoyingly brief time with another boy in the art room due to the skipping classes. The, uh, though is touched by the portrait he drew of her, on the day of the meeting, Tomoko is surprised to find that Yu's appearance has changed significantly since she last saw her. Uh, she's stacked uh, and has light-colored hair or whatever. Yeah. But feels relieved that she is still the same on the inside. After spending the day at the arcade, Tomoko feels encouraged by Yu to keep doing her, f- doing her best, only to become depressed again after hearing she has a boyfriend. Uh, this is probably my favorite gag in the entire show. I think we what? talked about it a bit. Um, at the end of the episode, they're... they're Tomoko is trying to like shout encouragement to you in some typical kind of anime tropey way, like do your best, blah, 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 blah. And then you yells back that she's like, now she feels a lot better. And she thanks Tomoko. And then she goes, she really only was upset a little bit because she had a fight with her boyfriend and blah, 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 blah. But the second that Tomoko hears that she has a boyfriend, she puts her headphones on and starts like walking away while you is still like talking to her. Yeah, she's listening to, like, Hype Drake, and then she listens to Sad Drake. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So she listens to this, like, weird uh, uh, Drake walking home in the snow song <laughs> while the ending credits play, and I thought it was a very funny gag. She's alone in the six on her way home. Exactly, yeah. She she just drove you to, you know, take her med school exam or whatever. We'll get into it, but... Uh, another one I really like that follows this is uh, in the last episode, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, shall we move on? Yeah, I mean, that's that's all there is to say, literally. 
Uh, episode three, since I'm not popular, the weather's bad. On a rainy day, Tomoko gets an ear earful from her teacher and a passerby, and her umbrella breaks, uh, forcing her to take shelter. So there's a big storm, and her umbrella's all fucked up, and that's all. As two other boys take shelter as well, she awkwardly attempts to make conversation with them. After being sent home early the next day after being hit by a basketball, Tomoko decides to tease Tomoki, who is sick with a cold caused by Tomoko herself, later becoming depressed when his female classmates come to deliver his homework. Um, the main crux of this episode is that people are trying to be nice to her, and she's too fucking weird to accept it. I guess I have, like, three things to say about this episode, believe it or not. I kind of like this episode. I do, too. So, number one, um, the girls are talking about their hair, right? Mm -hmm. And she thinks it's superficial, but, right. like, at the end of the bit, she's like, what are they even talking about? And it cuts to her hair, and the weather fucked up her hair all bad, right? Yeah. So she's so checked out that she doesn't even, like, take care of herself. Mm -hmm. So the things you might think are, like, superficial as, like, a basement dweller, like me and myself or whatever that's online all the time, mm -hmm. aren't superficial and are probably, like, things you should care about. Sure. Basic level of cleanliness and keeping, your, <laughs> keeping yourself uh, un not sick from being out in the rain and stuff like that. And it's not fitting in. It's, like, literally taking care of yourself. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that is that is the way that these things spiral once you've lost a basic connection to other people. Yeah, and if you're that far gone, please just take a shower, I beg you. Please take a shower if you're listening to this and haven't showered today. Or in the last week. Number two is that I think the show has a positive view towards people, and I really enjoy that. Mm -hmm. When she does these big outsized reactions, people don't react in a mean way they are very nice to her and they go out of their way to help her oh yeah and even if she misinterprets it it the like you will still come across people in real life who will do the right or not even the right or a unnecessarily nice thing for people just to just to feel good feel good about themselves and the other person essentially all the npcs in this uh anime are exceptionally nice people who treat her with nothing but you know, it, it's probably outsized amounts of welcoming and, uh, you know, good, uh, you know, giving her the benefit of the doubt more than she probably even deserves. Yeah, and there's another cute little, well, there's a callback to this later on, and there's also another cute moment where someone goes out their way to be nicer that I really like. Yeah, I think that this show has a very positive view of most people who aren't <laughs> the main character. Essentially, everyone is very nice, and I, it, it, you can make a case for it ha for it being like you know if you were a person who is like she's just like me for real for real, you can make a case that this is like showing how shallow and like empty the NPCs of the world are, but you'd have to really go out of your way to not see most of the other characters in this show as as generally nice and good people. You'd have to be as Watamodi as Watamode is. To, to not see what the people what the authors are trying to say about people re in, re in reality like the meanest thing that happens to her is in episode one where she intentionally makes herself look absolutely insane and one of her brother's friends is like wow she looks crazy right but it's not like they it's not like they know who she is it's just like a random person who looks weird yeah and they it's like like, if you're intentionally making yourself look crazy and someone says, well, you look crazy, it is what it is, man. 
Yeah, and the other thing about that is that also she has she has purposely made herself look weird, knowing that she would not look like her normal self because of the fact that she's already tried it once before and seen the reaction people give her. Mm-hmm. So it's not like she was like, oh, I'm going to look hot now. It, at this point in the, in the episode, she's like, oh, I'm going to look different. I'm going to put on the disguise of looking weird with my weird face. So, yeah, I don't think that most people do not react negative to <laughs> People are surprisingly not as negative to her as they probably you would think they would be. And um, I guess I had like one other thing. I mm. forgot what it was. What was, like, the tell end of the episode? Oh, T- Tomoki gets sick because she, like, take, like she fucks up his umbrella or something. Oh, yeah. This is, like, just another, like, hammering home the point of, like, how immature and short-sighted she is. Mm-hmm. She tries to get herself sick, and then her brother is like, you know, it takes a day or two to get sick. And then she wastes her entire weekend making herself sick. <laughs> Because she was so scared of the idea of possibly having to go to school the next day. Yeah, it's... I don't even remember why she didn't want to go to school. Was there a reason? She, I mean, she just hates... She just didn't want to go to school and go be around people or something. I don't remember exactly what the reasoning was. But yeah, it's very funny because she she had intentionally tries to take, a, take care of her brother who she got sick. But only because she wants to get sick from him. <laughs> yeah, and you do see... Um, that she does genuinely like him. Like when yes, he wakes up in the middle of the night, he's like, why is she still here? And she gets up and like is actually sincerely taking care of him. So. Yeah, it's more that she is is not, she's trying to have the ironic distance that we've been talking about in this show of like not showing your sincerity. The character is trying to do that throughout when she's actively taking care of the brother. But later on when he's not looking, she's actually trying to do something nice for him. Yeah, this gets flushed out um, later on as well. Continues to, to develop. And you realize that they, are, they have more history than uh, just being antagonistic towards each other. All right, that was it. If you want to move on. Yes, episode four. Since I'm not popular, I'll have a good dream. Tomoko tries to follow an online guide to erotic dreams, but only winds up having nightmares. This part is very weird. She, ha- she does like the thing in art class where like um, you have to make a picture and all the all the things in the picture are made up of the letters of the thing. Have you ever done that? Yeah, I did. Yeah. So her her like dream and nightmare are like all the flowers are written out as flower in like in the actual letters and she's like wandering around a field of flowers written as flowers. I like to see little things like that in like anime. I was going to say that I think the animation is not terrible. It's pretty generic, but there's some interesting little creative things that the animators did throughout the show and I thought this was one of the fun little weird things they did. It's not like high budget, amazing Sakuga, but it's fun that they did little goofy, creative animation experiments and stuff. And the the dream is one of the int- more goofy, little weird things they do. I think it sort of elevates it to like that. Um, I I guess it's a hidden gem for like mainstream anime viewers that only watch like shonen or seasonal anime. I guess. Yeah, maybe? it's not the same four stock students walking on like a generic background, at least. It's also not as cool and revolutionary as the girl I like forgot her glasses. <laughs> yeah, it's not as mind-blowing as that. It was pretty epic, yes. Uh, yeah, this part is very strange. Um, this is the part when you might get uncomfortable watching, depending on how uh, much you can distance yourself from the character and the narrative of you know showing the character as they are. Um, but anyway, later she ends up on a crowded train where she fears she is being molested, only to find out she has gotten caught in caught on another girl's practice sword. 
Afterwards, Tomoko asks you to help her shop for some underwear, though she later ends up embarrassing herself by mistaking her newly bought panties as a handkerchief. She soon feels better after winning a massager from a raffle ticket, which came from a boys' love game. Uh, yeah, this episode is a pretty horny episode. This is the episode that most talks about. Well, it's one of the episodes that most talks about her strange relationship to her sexuality and whatever, you know, warped ideas about sexuality she's probably gotten from the internet. This is the most 4chan episode, I think, when it comes to, like, talking about sex and stuff like that. I guess Um, the only, like, comment I have is that the scene where she, like, wins the vibrator and is walking home, then it cuts to her. And she's yeah. using it as like a massager for her shoulder yes. and just falls asleep. I think I've been there like a, a thousand times. So uh-huh. I cannot say that I I cannot say that I've had a similar experience in my life. But... I'm like, I was an autistic film, so I probably did that once or twice. Sure. I did find that scene pretty funny. Uh, the way that it's played is pretty funny because she is playing a, a <laughs> she's playing a boy's love game and is innocently massaging her neck. And then falls asleep. And then is it her mom who walks in on her? Like asleep on the ground with a vibrator? Uh, it's her brother or her dad. Maybe it's her dad. I think it, maybe it's her dad walks in and then is just like, I'm going to turn this off and put her to bed and forget I saw anything. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> I know you're not winning, son. <laughs> exactly. It's not that I used it as a fucking back massager. It's that like, I've literally like, had the idea to do something stupid or sexual like as a teenage girl and just like fell asleep or some shit like yeah um just dumb or like got caught up doing something else you know what i mean yeah it's it's a pretty it's pretty goofy i like the way that it's played though it's not yeah it's not a super horny episode as a viewer it's just a episode about sexuality as far as i can you know that's the best case i can make for it if you are someone who doesn't feel uncomfortable watching this episode All right, next step. Episode five. Since I'm not popular, I'll boost my skills. Tomoko attempts to become popular by playing a cool, silent character, but it does not play out how she would have hoped. Uh, She watches TV and says, I should be like the anime girl on this TV. Yeah. Uh, Later, she tries to get some photo stickers taken of her, though is less than pleased with the results. Um, She goes to a photo booth and (laughs) the, the, the stickers are very funny. She like gets scared and makes funny faces. The next day, in another attempt to improve her social skills, Tomoko contemplates taking up a job as a cabaret girl and decides to practice lighting cigarettes and mixing drinks. Uh, she watches a TV show, like an interview with a cabaret girl, and is like, that could be me. I could be hot and pouring people drinks at a hostess club. This is kind of what we were saying earlier, where if you say, this is literally me, you should go outside. Yes. She, however, she becomes less eager when she travels to the red light district the following night. I really like the ending song on this episode. It's good. It's very good. Uh, yeah, she's riding the bus home traumatized from having seen, like, weirdos outside. Horny people outside. <laughs> she gets scared and runs away. Yeah, what exactly goes on in the red light district? Yeah, she has this fantasy in her head of it's just like, oh, it's where cute girls talk to people and pour drinks. And then they become extremely well socialized because they talk to people all day. And then she goes, wait, these guys are horny. I can't be around them. <laughs> Wait, they're all out here talking because they're horny. No! <laughs> I did really like the scene when she's lighting, this, lighting the uh, lighter. And I was like, this is how, it, this is how something, a very different anime starts. This is like how FLCL starts. 
and she becomes like a fire starter. That's a good one. I like that. <laughs> that's good. All right, next episode, I guess. That's... Since I'm not popular, I'll go see the fireworks. After noticing she looks somewhat cuter following a night of playing Atome games, Tomoko believes she can grow even more cute by constantly playing erotic games, though unbeknownst to her, she's only becoming greasier from not bathing. Um, <laughs> I really like the effect on her head. She gets like the iridescent, like you, you spill gasoline in like a puddle, like yeah. on the ground effect. <laughs> so that's like, she's like shining, like rainbow, like a rainbow shining on her. And she's like, damn, I look good. She has like fucking grimer on her head. She's like, this is great. Yeah, the only reason she doesn't have dark circles under her eyes is because she's so greasy that it's like shiny under her eyes instead. I think it's pretty oh, funny. That was one of my favorite bits from Futurama as a kid was when uh, Fry slicks his hair back. Yeah. And is like, don't need it. I make my own like hair gel. It's just grease. <laughs> Later, after accidentally spraying herself with soda, she believes she is getting looks from other boys who are actually noticing the ants crawling all over her body as a result. She's like head to toe covered in ants and boys start like wiping them off her. So she's like getting touched by boys in the school and she's getting horny. <laughs> it's pretty stupid. Uh, the next day, Tomoko tries to find people to go watch the fireworks with to no avail. As Tomoko decides to go alone to an abandoned rooftop to watch the fireworks, she is joined by a pair of schoolboys and ends up watching a very different kind of fireworks, quote unquote, with them. Um, she goes to an abandoned rooftop she used to watch fireworks as a kid on and now realize that, is, that there's a love hotel next door to the abandoned rooftop and two little snot-nosed brat like middle schoolers uh, want, want to watch the open windows of the love hotel and she's just like, alright, I guess I'll chill with you dudes instead. Yeah, and they watch it, tur- it turns out that teenage or not teenage, they're like little kids. It turns out that the little rascals are up to no good. These little rascals are truly up to no good. It's very funny because she's more of a horny creep than they are, though. And she didn't even come up there for that. I do think that the anime is officially cat-filled, though. It is cat-lady-filled, Loki. Absolutely, absolutely cat-filled. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I really I really like this episode. This is, I think this is one of my top favorites of the, uh, of the series. Yeah, this and the weather one. <laughs> yes, yes. When she's greasy and covered in soda and she's like, damn, I'm so hot. All the boys can't stop looking at me. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's pretty good. I, I like that part. The Tomoko being oblivious bits are some of the best gangs. Like, her yeah. just being fucking covered head to toe in ants is awesome. Yeah, it's very funny. Um, Yeah, that's all. There's nothing really to say about this episode. It's just funny that she's greasy and covered in soda. Yeah, and the ending, besides, like, the joke or whatever of, like, the sex, watching sex... Um, it's actually, like, cute and wholesome, like, the weather yeah, episode. I think it is kind of cute. Other than the degeneracy of what is actually happening. Yeah, it's fine. You don't see it. You don't yeah. see you it. You do hear her making some very interesting comments, though. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, episode seven. Since I'm not popular, I'll enjoy summer vacation. After spending several days doing nothing but playing games, reading manga, and browsing the internet, Tomoko comes to the realization that she is wasting her summer vacation. To alleviate this, Tomoko buys a webcam in the hopes of becoming an internet personality, only to back out under the pressure. Uh, she imagines that people will make comments that she would have to respond to on the internet. So she doesn't even really turn a webcam on. She just pictures that people will say things in her chat. Uh, <laughs> this is the delusions of grandeur, where she's like, oh no, what happens if I get 100,000 subscribers and they all start chatting and I have to respond to them? I actually really like this scene because... If you aspire to do literally anything in life that has uh-huh. some form of audience or requires reception mm-hmm. or judgment, um, 
the idea of like feeling, oh, I need, I should put on a mask and feel like conceal my identity. Sure. And then she like, um, doesn't even start doing it. And then she sees all the comments happen. And yeah. then only for a brief moment, you see that the chat is completely empty. And that's yeah. when she's shutting the computer. So yeah. <laughs> it's uh, Shutter Island, but with uh, pretending to stream on Twitch or whatever. Well, that happens throughout the show is that she Shutter Islands herself like a lot. Most most of what happens is what happens in her head. I don't know how much we've talked about that, but she has very long. There are long sequences in the show that are just her imagination of her uh, encountering a difficult, a social difficulty that it doesn't even actually happen in reality. It's just her imagining it. And then she already gives up on the thing she imagined not happening. Yeah, the the hardest part about doing anything is just starting it once again. Yeah, my favorite thing is that it's it's the equivalent of being of thanking your one your one Twitch viewer when it's you with OBS open. <laughs> <laughs> there was a guy on TikTok that was like, "What do you think, chat?" But he had zero viewers. <laughs> but it was very funny because he's like, "What's up, chat?" And then he realizes he doesn't have the chat, and he's like, "Oh." He just says that. Yeah, so that is definitely like, I feel like this is a pretty forward-looking show to have been making those kind of gags in like the early 2010s. Yeah, I mean, I've done that before. You know, I make a YouTube video, it gets like 10 views, and I'm just like, damn, they didn't let me know what they thought in the comments down below. Yeah, I've talked to your audience before we even had this podcast out. Yeah, we we had like four people in a Twitch chat one time, and Moopy was berating them. Yeah, I mostly just hate your hate your Twitch chat out of out of the streams. That guy's not even a Twitch viewer. He's like some random guy that came for that one game. Oh, your super spike? Yeah, I, I fucked him up. Yeah, you really showed him who's the king of bronze. I was the king of games, actually. I was the king of silver. You were you were actually mad at him. <laughs> uh, we can continue the episode. Uh, after the whole Twitch debacle. She later discovers she has a ticket enabling her to meet an Atome game voice actor and request a, a line from him at like a handshake style event or whatever. She can meet this voice actor. After spending the whole night looking up what to make him say, she ends up cracking under pressure when she finally meets him, resulting in a weirdly jumbled request. She attempts to mix it with her own voice to form a dubious dialogue, which her mother ends up listening to. So she goes to this handshake event and essentially she spends all night seeing how, how horny and fucked up the shit she can make her voice actor say. Uh, and then she gets too overstimulated, realizing you can say, make him say some fucked up shit, and she just like gives out like a hundred lines, and the guy does it. So it's like all these, all like a whole. She's running all the tropes through like an AI generator, and has the guy say say all of them, and none of them fit together very well. Hmm. Um, and then she uh, she she makes a vo- she makes a voice pack mod for her for her uh, erotic game, and then hears her mom saying hears her her mom hears her saying all the voice lines, which is pretty stupid. Yeah, she came in to see if her son was winning, and she just heard, like, Hostoon Miku sex CD and was like, just, just, just go to bed. Yeah, <laughs> go to bed, Watamote. Stop, stop cooming, Watamote. It's time to go to bed. <laughs> no emotion, not even disappointment, just, just stop. Yeah, the pa- honestly, uh, the, the length of the torture of, of the cringiness of this show, you would think that at some point her parents might talk to her. But I guess it's, I don't know, maybe it's Japan, Japanese culture or something. I don't fucking know. What do I Her mom get? eventually does just be like, just get a fucking job, do anything. Her mom <laughs> does beat the shit out of her and tells her to get a job. That's That part's good. 
She just, I mean, she does beat her child. She just slaps the shit out of her. It's like, do anything. Do something. Stop cooming in your room. Like, do literally anything. And that's the entire challenge of the series, apparently. I think that the beginning of this episode, this is probably the, the hardest episode to get through for me. But it really gets saved by the later half with the voice actor. I think that part's pretty funny. I think this um, one is, like, very... Uh, like Japanese life, like the part-time job, the way mm. Summer works there, the voice actor meeting them mm. type thing. I don't think I really relate to anything in this episode. I think that I I don't relate to Watamote as a character, and I don't really relate to the social anxiety or anything. But definitely, like the slow passing of time as you realize, like you know, you're not getting the things done that you wanted to get done. That part is what really like feels punishing and torturous to me at the beginning of this episode. Um, but like you know, I always check the comments, and it's not like this episode was particularly worse for any of the audience viewers. But this is the one time that I sort of had like a personal relation because I, as a as a person who has to be has to motivate themselves to do art, and I have a, you know a studio that I work in and all that stuff. There's definitely like the you know I don't have a, a gallery or representation, and I do I do art mostly. Not as a hobby, but I do it self-directed. I, mean, I have to force myself to do it. And there's not like any financial, uh, there's not really a financial incentive or a professional incentive besides me wanting to do art all the time. And when you are not reaching the level of progress in your work that you want to reach and, you know, you have other, you know, you have a job or you have, you know, social uh, interactions that you want to do or you have hobbies that you want to do, games you want to play. There's definitely is that like driving it's a you know that that tearing feeling of you know you're being torn in different directions and that part is that's very torturous to people sometimes so i definitely felt that i felt i felt a, an association with this episode in that way as soon as i feel that feeling i literally immediately go do something because yeah i probably spent most of my life doing that like as soon as i feel that i like like kind of panic and go into like do something when Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, that's, that's a driving force for some creative people. Uh, I try to give myself other things that incentivize me to do it and not just like, you know, creeping dread, you know, I don't try to motivate myself with creeping dread ever, but it does creep in, you know, whether I wanted to or not. Yeah. The key is to try and do stuff before it kicks in. Exactly. Yeah. You try and give yourself incentives that don't allow creeping dread to seep in. And then you just do it out of like, you know, ner <laughs> nervous, uh, nervous anxiety about like wasting your life or whatever. Uh, we also have, I don't know if they're infrequent, but variant work schedules, right? Yeah, so, I, I work part-time, but I work pretty pretty frequently when I want to. But it does feel like I, I want to be in the studio more than I want to work. And that does, you know, it weighs down on you when you have more work than you have time to do the other thing you want to do. Yeah, and I don't have a 9 to 5. I, I go to bed at like 5 a.m., wake up at 3. It's like fine for me. You're I on the water mode schedule. Yeah, but I still do everything I need to do. But yeah, I am on like a degen sleep schedule. Yeah, you're on the Watamo grind grind set. Yeah, I like wake up and eat lunch, work out, and pray or whatever. Right. And that's my organization for the day. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, it's 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 relatable in the sense, especially you know, the older I get, the more I want to do shit. So. For the audience members that have continued to listen and feel like Watamo is just like them for real, uh, get a schedule or get a some incentives to get you out and about doing productive things or just Actually, do something a day it's like i don't even know if you need a schedule if you know not need particularly 
Just try like play guitar or draw like once a day or something for after you showered or before you've showered if it's a sweaty activity. Maybe you should start with the shower. Maybe start with the shower if you need a second one because you live in Texas or something. Get that. Honestly, I shower twice a day. So sometimes three times when I do long workouts, I shower right after a workout in the morning and afternoon because it's like 105 Fahrenheit here all the time. There you go. Well, we've solved it. Let's move on. Just move out of Texas. Fuck this state, dude. This state <laughs> sucks so bad. It's yeah. just hot as shit all the time. Yeah. I'm moving to New York in like two years. So Greatest city in the world. <laughs> Concrete dream. Okay, thanks. Thanks. We're just, we're just phoning this shit in now. What the fuck? Well, these episodes, there's nothing to say about them. What can I say? I'm just giving life advice now because the episodes are like Tomoko falls over. Okay, uh, my advice. This is just up. therapy for us now. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, episode 8, Tomoko Falls Over. My advice, stand up and don't fall over. That's a really good point. Practice good posture. <laughs> Rule 8, clean your room. Rule 8, be a lobster. Um, okay. Episode 8, since I'm not popular, I'll put on airs. Tomoko grows anxious when she learns her cousin, Ki, is coming over. Feeling she needs to look like a bitch, in quotes, in order to pit, back up her prior fabrications of a relationship. Uh, she has told this child that she is uh, dating a bunch of boys and fucking around and being a cool, uh, popular girl. And she gets herself into trouble because she is lying, obviously. Uh, she attempts to cover her body with vacuum cleaner hickeys, only to be scolded by her mother. This is when her mom beats her. While talking, uh, while, while taking key to the library, Tomoko meets Kosaka, one, one of the boys she met while sheltering from the rain the other day, who Ki assumes to be Tomoko's boyfriend. Uh, this is the callback from episode three, the guy who buys her an umbrella sweetly. Uh, she he like lives in the area and she uh, is not able to really talk with him besides mumbling thanks for the umbrella. But that's enough to tell Key that something's up with this dude. There is a really I do like the bit where she's like she's nervous, so she starts sweating and she's like, I'm sweating like a basketball manga under her breath. That's very funny, yeah. And then she says it out loud. They're like, what? And then the like they still don't hear her. And they're like, are you talking to me? <laughs> yeah, I'm really sweaty. I'm sweating like a pig. That's like, it's <laughs> very funny. I'm so fucking gross right I'm now. I'm disgusting. Anyway. I'm just like in slam dunk. I'm just like in Kuroko's basketball. Oh, Kuroki, Kuroko. Oh. Just start naming basketball manga. <laughs> The next day, they see him with another girl, prompting Key to confront him and bringing Tomoko's bluff to light. With hmm. Key's impression of her waning, Tomoko attempts to restore her faith by showing off her prowess in a children's card game. After witnessing Tomoko cheat against a little boy, Key starts to pity her <laughs> instead of looking up to her. This is my favorite part, I think, in the whole show. Is when she becomes an epic gamer and then just cheats the shit out of all the, all the eight-year-olds. It's very funny. Uh, yeah, this episode is like having your childhood idol question thrown on you. It's very funny. Yeah, I really like the uh, the the metaphor of the the egg, the egg of hope is like starting to grow once again. Yeah, that is very good. I like yeah. that. So uh, he, the child, has completely lost faith in Tomoko after she uh, embarrasses herself in front of this boy. Uh, so Tomoko takes her to a game store where she's like, the she's the queen of games, right? Isn't she queen? Isn't that her name? Yeah, they these literal five year olds call her queen. Yeah, so she. She is the queen of games, and then she puts on Yu-Gi-Oh gloves and starts kicking their asses. Although they're playing cards that look like magic card back. The back I the thought card. they were magic cards. Yeah, the back of the cards is magic cards, but all the tropes and and 
references she she's making are that she is Yu-Gi-Oh King of Games. Um, <laughs> and then she just cheats the shit out of all the five-year-olds and annihilates them. <laughs> it's very funny. Uh, but for some reason, somehow her cousin is able to notice that she has done this. And the egg of hope is uh, shattered completely and forevermore. Yeah, there's something so sad. Like, the pure shock and horror when she sees Tomiko get on her knees and apologize to the boy for lying or whatever. Yeah. Is, like, Tomiko walks into, like, the bookstore library, whatever it is. Yeah. And her little cousin looks like she just saw the fucking exorcist. Yes. Yeah, she lo- she she watched all of her hopes and dreams of adulthood cr- crash before her eyes. And then she she's like, oh, maybe she is cool. And then she sees her cheat against five-year-olds and is like, oh, my God. <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah, the- I really like this part as as the as a self-professed king of games myself. Um, it's really awesome watching the, the card game tropes. I this like is it. probably the most pathetic. Oh, yeah. She's like she's like max pathetic in this episode. It's very good. She, she, um, that what really nails it in is that her little cousin is like, oh, you should come by. I'll do something for you. Yes, right. And it's just so sad. It's like sad. your eight-year-old cousin is like, damn, bitch, you really live like this? It literally, yeah, it's very funny. It's very right. funny. That's, All right. that's it. Go ahead. Episode 9. Since I'm not popular, summer will end. After Tomoko visits a fancy cafe where Yu is helping out, she decides to take up a job making cakes in the hope of also becoming trendy, only for it to turn out to be a not-so-glamorous factory job. Later, Tomoko's mother forces her to do some cleaning, where she finds an essay written ag- uh, years ago by Tomoki about how he used to admire his big sister. Afterwards, dejected, Tomoko goes to watch a meteor shower alone, later kept company by a stray cat. This is when she goes full uh, cat mom mode. Yeah, um, she's in middle school and already gave up. Yeah, this this episode is just like further, uh, just like Tomoko will not do anything and refuses to have a life. Just like um, me, for real, for real. Just like all of us, for real, for real. Yeah, there's really nothing in this one except that she goes to the cafe, doesn't know what any of the food is, and then she gets like the shittiest job and quits after one day and won't do won't clean anything after quitting her job. It's kind of just like. Her feeling bad that her like friend is is like stupid and sexy, basically. Her stupid sexy friend has a life, and she's too <laughs> stupid and sexy. Yeah. Um. Also, like, her mom is finally just like do fucking anything this episode. Yes. Her her mom actually has a talk with her, which is just yelling at her to not be a complete fucking loser. Yeah, and there's the scene where um. Oh, doesn't shit actually does happen this episode. So mm. um her mom tells her to clean, right? And then when she's right. cleaning, she finds the box of cicadas. Mm, the box of And that cicadas. triggers a flashback memory of her and her brother That's catching true. cicadas to like sell for a dollar when they were kids and just forgetting about it. Right. So it's like a sweet memory between the two. Mm-hmm. And she like um lashed out at him earlier, even though I think he has eye bags because he's like the Giga Chad student where he's in like five clubs and sports and shit. Tomoki is like me for real, for real. When I was growing up in high school, I had like I was in like eight clubs and I was doing way too much academic and extracurricular stuff. And I had a job all at the same yeah, time. Yeah, you're Tomoki and I'm like, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> that is kind of disturbing. Cool. It's kind of disturbing to see those parallels. <laughs> it's a little bit like that, okay? It's a little bit like that. That's how our friendship kind of is. You're, you're like, I have to go do stuff, and I'm like, shut up! <laughs> shut up, bitch! Don't go outside! <laughs> I have to I have to play more hentai games. <laughs> yeah, I have to play hentai Nazi. <laughs> yeah, I have to play Armored Core. Play hentai games. I have to beat Kadawa Shoju for the 20th time. <laughs> Do you know what that is? I don't fucking know. It's probably some horny shit I don't know about. It's like a 4chan dating sim. Where oh all the no, girls is that the like one with the... Mm-hmm. I know what that is. Mm-hmm. I know what that is. Well, 4chan giveth and 4chan taketh away. You know, like I played that when I was like, oh boy, like Tomoki's age. I think I've I have heard of it. How have I heard of it? I don't know how I've heard of it. Maybe it was listening to a podcast where they talked about weird anime shit. I dated the girl without arms in that oh anime. In that oh, game, yeah? I was like, that was the path oh. you you took. Yeah, I thought she was the cutest. Uh, huh. All right, on to the next episode. On to the next episode. Anyway, she leaves a fucking cicada on his desk, and he comes home at, like, 2 a.m. after being a giga chat or whatever. Right. And he doesn't even know what it is, but I guess the memory escaped them both, but it's cute, the thought of it. Well, yeah, I think in in a lot of Japanese media, cicadas are very full of meaning. Uh, And that is definitely, yeah, there's a definite message there, and I think it's interesting and kind of cute, a cute little... Thing. Here, cicadas just mean like pestilence, essentially. In Japan, cicadas mean higurashi when they cry, and that's oh, not, that's, that's that's a really epic thing. <laughs> I don't even. What does that even mean? Uh, I don't know. It's like some other fucking weird ass anime. You gotta learn Japanese. No thanks. We'll have we'll have a resident at we'll have a resident expert on for later for that later we actually can't have like multiple people on <laughs> that could be yeah. experts shout out in the comments if you want people who know what the fuck they're talking about to be on this podcast <laughs> episode 10 since i'm not popular second term is starting the second school term begins and tomoko is still as unpopular as ever made worse when she is relocated into the center of class uh a bunch of uh friends all hang out around her and just just ignore her because she's sitting in like the direct middle of like nine people uh, she manages to find herself a secret spot amongst a pile of unused desks where she can eat and play games in private during lunch breaks. But as the school prepares for a cultural festival, Tomoko contemplates starting her own club, but her application is denied due to being too vague. Uh, Tomoko wants to start the uh, fuck around and don't do anything club, which she calls the... What's it called? The Daily Life Club? Yeah, it's literally like... They're... Like, they have said, what is the point of the club on the form, and she said, to figure out what the point of the club is. Yeah, uh, so she has a very long, uh, w- one of her several long, like, anime trope sequences in her head of imagining, like, getting along with all of her friends at this fun little club that she'd have. Yeah. She essentially is imagining after-school dice club. <laughs> sure. Uh, for anyone who knows what I'm talking about, but I barely know what I'm talking about, so don't listen to me on that. You're spinning, um, you're spinning. Yeah, it's a vague club with no with no direction, and she wants to just go there so that she doesn't have to participate in organizing for the cultural festival at her school. Um, I do like the sequence though when she comes out, snaps out of it, and she's around the table making tea for her two uh, weird uh, stuffed animals that she has. No, that's just like me for over. <laughs> mm, yeah, um, I do like that. 
you is like a genuinely good friend. I think that's yep. cute. Mm-hmm. And I like um does this go into the next episode or am I mistaken? This is the only episode where there's like continuity really. Yeah, the next episode goes to the cultural festival. Um yeah, I think all the stuff I want to reference is in the next episode. So we could go ahead and skim. I did like the little point the little moment when she touches all the desks after they've been rearranged and they're like tumbling everywhere. Yeah, that is good. She just like kicks desk and it almost falls on her too. Yeah, there's a there's a couple of little interesting like I don't know. Throughout the show, there's little moments where she just does like some weird little thing that only she only she would know about that I think is kind of cool. It's interesting when characters have like private little moments and that don't have like a really greater narrative meaning. It's just like if I was a kid and I was goofing around, I might just do that for myself. Yeah, there's very subtle like storytelling that is not insulting to the viewer and actually nice. Yeah, even with the cicada thing, it's kind of like this private little thing that she does that no one else understands, and she just kind of does it for herself. It's cool when not a lot of shows do that. I've brought this up before. I know I know it's, like, stupid. Mm. But in Naruto, there's, like, a scene where Obito is, like, just sitting on top of the Hokage village, and people mm-hmm. are like, what's he doing there? And it's like, he's just sitting there. That's it. Like, he just wants to sit there. And then people are like, what's the point of his mask? And it's like, uh, he probably just thinks it looks cool. That's, like, literally yeah. it. It's like, and I think that well, people you should. No, I'm just saying we're probably going to say the same thing. Uh, people who are used to viewing shonen and consuming shonen media are used to every scene having a particular meaning to the greater narrative overall, and not having little like character moments or little moments to chill and just like look at things, because you're so used to the like the economy of storytelling being like breakneck, so that five year olds can like just like get to the next panel. It's like any time a character does something that isn't immediately obvious why they're, they're doing it within the next two pages, you're like, damn, there must be some deep meaning to like him sitting there looking at the water. Yeah, you don't get some like better call Saul thing where like he touches Saul's the trash brother. Or yeah, like he does like one of his weird um, OCD habits or whatever. And it doesn't come back ever again. It's just like a, he just has a condition and that's just like part of it. And yeah, well, that's what you're saying with, like, your wire-level analysis, right? People are doing, like, cinema sins on, like, Obito standing over the village or something. Yeah, and it's, like, people call it, like, plot devices, and it's, like, it's... Or not plot devices, plot holes. It's, like, it's not a sure. fucking plot hole. He was just it's standing. Like, <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't change the narrative. He's just sitting there. Well, I think it's just... It's that people are not familiar with uh, interpreting or, like receiving a media that wants to just have the characters have little moments to themselves. But I think it's really important in developing a character to give, not every character needs them, but certain characters do need that space to grow. And like, like you get to see what they do in their downtime. And that's part of them. I think these inconsequential or actions help too, because there's things like, uh, have you seen game of Thrones? Gambo? Yeah, I seen that. Game Game of Thrones. Uh-huh. Uh so Danny, when she loses her husband and child, right? Mm. It's supposed to be like a traumatic thing for the character. And it's like uh-huh. this big moment. But well, I have to protect it, her, but yeah. It really kind of just frees her up to go do her stupid adventure. Sure. So like it doesn't you don't feel anything for the character, even though it's you're supposed to be like, yeah, losing your husband and child is traumatic or whatever. Yeah. 
Well, I think that, I mean, I think that it's fun that that doesn't really ever come, you don't ever really come back to the rest of her life back there, right? It doesn't really have much relevance after it's over. It's just as part of her development. No, it's like Jet Black in the bonsai trees, right? Mm-hmm. Well, no, except that the bonsai trees actually do have a deep meaning if you uh, care to read about 300,000 years of Chinese history. Kill yourself. All right, next episode. Episode 11, since I'm not popular, I'll participate in the cultural festival. Whilst trying to get involved with her class for the cultural festival preparations, Tomoko cuts her hand but is helped out by the kind festival committee president, Megumi Imai. Imai? Uh, during the festival, Tomoko has little reason to enjoy herself, but nonetheless receives encouragement from Megumi. The next day, Tomoko is visited by Yu, unsuccessfully trying to get an intimate hug from her, but still appreciating the time spent together. Noticing Tomoko visibly downhearted after Yu leaves, Megumi borrows a, ma a mascot costume in order to anonymously give Tomoko a balloon comforting hug. Um, yeah, that's actually a lot that happens in this episode. I think it's pretty good. Um, it's cool that there's a more than one episode uh, co continuity thing going on. Um, yeah, Yu is a W friend. You should all, like, all want a friend like that in your life. You just like me for real, for real. It is very kind of cute and silly how quick Tomoki's like, oh, I might be gay or shit. Yeah, it's very, it's, it, it kind of sneaks up on you out of nowhere because you've been seeing like little moments of that stuff. And then suddenly it's like all out. Like Tomoko's like, I'm going to grab these titties right now. Yeah, I think that it's like understandable to <laughs> say, I don't know. It's like, if you were gay and you never like thought about it as a possibility because it's like non-cultural for us you're familiar with or whatever, and then you just have like an experience where you like touch a girl you thought was hot, her like tits or whatever, you'd be like, "Oh shit, oh no, oh no, I like." And this. then yeah, the gay thoughts <laughs> you let the gay thoughts and it's too late, buddy. Yeah, it's funny though because as as the series begins, she like talks about horny sex shit with her. But it's it's more the way that like just like a weird goofy teen would talk about it. Like you're more just talking about it because she's a creepy weirdo and she's interested in that stuff. Yeah. But it doesn't really become like a, a question of like is this part of her like preferences or something. It's more that she's just like a weirdo who has had no human interaction. So she talks about sex because it's like just a thing that she's interested in. I think like unfortunately like a lot of like gay people just like don't process shit and it might come out in like a cringe way or whatever right yeah i mean i think this show does a good job of 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 showing the progression of that from something that's more cringe and creepy and weird to something that could potentially be less creepy and weird in the future yeah i once the thought of doing it becomes normal to her she's like oh okay yeah sure right. Right. i just want to hug her <laughs> it's like right. okay sure yeah it's fascinating it stops being as much about like what, well, like what's the color of underwears you wear, and like what do you do with your boyfriend? Yeah, I mean she's just weird. It's fine. She's just weird. Yes. Yeah, it's not that her being gay is weird. It's her, that she spends she all day online. Yeah, yeah she, she is a weird person. <laughs> she's a sicko for real, for real. She's on sicko ten. Yeah, exactly. Uh, this episode also has an ending song that's cool. Right? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a little sequence where she's like having this like imaginary little fantasy again at the end. That's kind of interesting. Oh no, it's the one the balloon. This is the one with the balloon that's kind of fun. Yeah, I really like this scene. It's probably one of my favorite scenes in the entire show. The 
these girls that were in her class or whatever mm-hmm. like see her sad and before putting like the costume up at the end of the day they put it on and they go up to her and give her a balloon and i think it's very yeah cute. that's pretty cute i think megumi becomes more of a character in the manga right i'm pretty sure she does she's she's one of the early like new friends that she gets that's my assumption yeah i think that it's true um let's move on to the last episode sure Episode 12. Since I'm not popular, I'll think about the future. As Tomoko reflects on her cringeworthy yet uneventful past and thinks about her future, she views Megumi as the kind of student she would aim to become. When a cockroach roams about the class, Tomoko kills it, hoping to be praised as a hero, only to leave a less than desirable impression on her classmates. Um, so for most of this episode, she's like leaving her phone on record in the class and then listening to what people are talking about during the day to hear if they have anything bad or good to say about her. And then when she when she saves the class from the roach, everyone's like, "That was like really fucking gross that she stepped on it like that." I thought you would appreciate how goofy the entire sequence is. That's what I was talking about. I thought you would appreciate how stupid. Yeah, this that episode's scene is. very yeah. This very funny to me. It's very goofy. Uh, it is kind of a little bit of a girl I like forgot her glasses for a minute. There's the, the you're at cockroach POV and you're like it's like zooming around the classroom. Yeah, and it's like a, it takes the form of like a little guy. It's, it's like a little blurry cool. guy who's running around. Yeah, I think it's pretty funny. It turns into an entirely different show for like one minute. It's very. Cool. I do like I do like different shows that have different ways of showing cockroaches, different ways of suggesting cockroaches, because most shows, most anime that I've seen blurs cockroaches for whatever reason. I don't know. A lot That's of shows weird. when there's a cockroach on screen, it's like a blur. It's like a pixelated thing because I guess they don't want to show something gross or whatever reason who fucking knows why maybe someone else could tell me why but i don't know why um i think this is up there for my favorite of the ways that cockroaches are referenced in shows there's the only one better is uh, this it's a netflix anime called romantic killer that i've been watching with my girlfriend a little bit Hmm. and whenever there's a cockroach on screen a sequence plays where it goes cockroaches are gross so here's a picture of cake instead and then every every then it's just like a PNG of cake moving around like a cockroach. That's good. So it's extremely low effort because it's just it's just a PNG of cake and everyone's reacting to it like it's a cockroach. But people like literally want that post. <laughs> <laughs> well, my girlfriend was like, I'm actually glad they did that because I would have thought it was really gross if I had to see the cockroach. Well, like a well detailed drawing of a cockroach. So I went to my, I thought to myself, like, oh, I guess this is the case. This is the case study for like why people want this, I guess. I don't get grossed out by bugs, personally. Not, definitely not drawings of bugs. No, I, I, mean, I mean... Bugs to a degree gross me out, depending on, you know, context, but not very much, and definitely not a drawing of a bug. Locusts are pretty gross, and um, if it was, like, what's the long one, a millipede? That shit would freak me out, or a gigantic spider, but that's, like, really it. Pretty rare in the places I live that I would see something like that. I occasionally... Yeah. In my old garbage, like, trash can apartments in New York, I would see giant roaches sometimes. And I didn't like them, but, you know, it is what it is. You gotta deal with it. Yeah, I, I uh, guess. I just don't think... It's like, oh no, a cockroach. Oh, no. Yeah. But, but I did like that it was, like, a little guy running around and she smashed him. Yeah, <laughs> and... She has to like that. The teacher's reaction so good. He's like, "Just go wash your shoe. Just go away." It was really gross. <laughs> yeah, Matt, leave the classroom for fucking ten minutes. Anyway, later that day, Tomoko tries to initiate a conversation with, with uh, Megami, but runs off after a blustery wind ruins the mood. 
this is maybe the sequence that makes the least sense to me, but it was very stupid and funny. Uh, the wind blows up her her senior classmate's skirt, and she sees her underpants, and then this causes Tomoko to like start screaming and running because she can't handle having seen her butt. Uh, and then the then the rest of the episode happens, which is a long sequence of her just running and screaming, having seen a girl's butt. Yeah, and like her friends or other people join along, basically. Or whatever. Yeah, not not. Uh, and after she runs away, uh, she doesn't stay long enough to hear Megami's words of praise about her. Uh, her classmate says that she thinks she's cute and that she likes her. You know, whatever her. I I do love that. It's it's still ridiculous, but it's like I legit don't think you could choose what you're attracted to necessarily. And it's mm-hmm. like there is I don't know, I guess like she is cute in like a very goofy way, I suppose. Well, I if the comment section of uh nine M anime are to be believed, Megami is not alone. Yeah. Except there are like thirty five year old men. Yes, but point my point stands. <laughs> to be fair, the age of consent in Japan. Okay. Oh boy. That's the fucking episode. We're done. Yeah. I mean. The end of the episode is just her screaming as the ending, as the as the opening plays over the ending instead. Um. And yeah, the episode ends with her just being like, "I don't give a shit if I'm like a a, a mojio, a misfit, or a uh, you know an unpopular incel femcel girl." Uh, and that's it. That's really the end. Of, that's it. The definition of the episode. Oh, wait, what's it say? Uh, oh, right. So at the beginning of the first episode, that's what she defines herself as, which is like, it's a Japanese equivalent to like a femme cell, essentially. Yeah. And she has apparently learned to be happy on her own terms rather than society's. It's, I mean, it's not super clear, but yeah, the end of the episode is hopeful that she has accepted what she is and is going to start turning things around from this point. It's very interesting. I mean, we'll talk about it later, but it's interesting that that is the end of the show is this is the bo- We've bottomed out, and now we're going to start climbing back up. But th- now the show's over. No more show. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't have too much else to talk about. Uh, we could go over the article if you want, but I don't even think it's necessary. Uh... No, it's not really necessary. I just thought, it, I'm not even going to read it. I'm just going to say that I think this, this is an article from 2013 called The Most Mean-Spirited Anime I've Ever Watched. It's from Kotaku. Uh, I don't think it's necessary to read the whole thing. I just wanted to say that I think it's very funny that this is a whole, this whole article is kind of railing against the show because of, I mean, I think it kind of misses the point of what the show is about and is just getting upset that the show is passing off, making fun of Tomoko as the point of the show. Yeah. And I think that completely, <laughs> completely misses the point and the person's very angry about this show. Uh, but we've talked so much about it, I don't think there's any point in... We've talked about people's... I literally don't want to, like, melt my brain listening to some, like, remedial person give a, like, 80 <laughs> IQ take about the show. Yeah, it's not necessary. We're, we can skip Moopy's Corner uh, this week, as much as it pains me to do so. We disagree and think you're a fucking loser. There you yes. go. Feel bad about yourself for not knowing how to watch anime correctly. We're not, e- we're not even going to read it. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, you don't rise to the level of my notice. You if dumbass. you ever come to Brooklyn... We're gonna okay. Yeah, I've got I've got my head on a swivel for this fucking writer of this. Sh- <laughs> okay, I'm not actually that. Big it's big. on site. Movie is strapped. Okay, it's a joke. We're joking. I'm gonna pull out my my naginata, and you're gonna see how much I defend Watamote. You're gonna pull out your naginata and do some gun cutting. <laughs> yeah, sure. 
What would you rate Watamoto? Um, I didn't really like it that much. It was like a six. Damn, I feel like we had fun watching this anime. It's it's I have fun talking about it, but I have fun talking about everything we talk about for the most part. Are you using my anime list now? Huh? Uh, kind of. I I did I put Dragon Ball on it. <laughs> that's a that's a good start. I started at Dragon Ball. <laughs> that's what I did too. It's fun. I had to work from there. Um. Yeah. My rating is that I think that I think I watched too much of this at once. And I think this is the kind of show for me personally. It drags a little bit if you don't want to watch the same thing happen every single episode, essentially. Um, but I think overall, it's more positive than negative, my feelings about it. So I'm going to give it a 6.5. I think that depending on, I think it can vary wildly. It's extremely subjective how people react to this show. Um, so I would not be surprised if many people rated very highly and higher than me. It's just that I guess the rating is like, my rating is like, how much would I want to watch this again? How much, you know, joy did I get out of watching this? How much would I tell other people to watch this? And it's like, it's very context dependent. And that's why I pull some points off of it is because in a different mood or at a different time, I would not want to watch this. All right. I think at 12 episodes, you know, I'm going like an eight on this bad boy. Hmm. Uh, Is it an eight in the same way that like Casher and Sins is an eight? No, but in terms of a cute anime to watch during the weekend, yes, this is definitely something you could watch and should watch if you have nothing else better to do. Yeah, I'd give it a tentative recommend. Definitely. Uh, I think depending on, not to everyone. It's, it's a hard, hard press the brakes for certain people I don't think should watch this. For various reasons. Too. For various reasons. My girlfriend had to stop watching after like six or seven episodes because she was like, this is too triggering for me because this is, <laughs> this is everything I lived through. I had the same experience. Yeah, yeah. I had the same yeah. shit. I was like, um, "Fuck, dude, this hurts." Yeah, I think that it, it can be it can be a painful show to watch, even if you don't directly associate with what's happening. Uh, like I said, punishing is the word that I would use, depending on how how much you're binging through it. It can be very tough. But I think ultimately, if you have an open mind, if you're willing to like see what the author is saying and not what the you know degenerate YouTube commenters on this show are saying, you you will have a good experience because there's something to be garnered, like something to be gained from this. And I think there's something good there. The gay stuff, like I said earlier, helped me. but Because I was like, damn, this is like, this, you know, I had, I was a little femme sauce. So I relate yeah. to this shit. Yeah. But the gay, like, little cute jokes at the end, I was like, oh, all right, there's, there's light at the end of the tunnel. You get to be normal. Yeah, I think that the part that feels punishing is the first 11 episodes. <laughs> And then at the very last one, you're like, oh, there's like a li- just a teeny little like you're you're bottoming out and you're at the all the way at the bottom end of like, you know, the 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 drop. And then suddenly there's a little boop at the end that kicks up and you feel like there's a little hope that begins. And I guess the hope is that the show will continue and there will be 200 more episodes of the manga. And suddenly now it's a much more hopeful, optimistic thing. Yeah, it's like, look, if you made it this far, you're a sicko or a dog, and either way, we're going to throw you a bone. Yes. And also, there's an OVA, and I believe the entire joke of the OVA is to get a season two, and then it's like, wait, not really at the end of it. So, there's no season two. That's it. There's no season two. I think if, but I think it's worth reading the manga if you liked this. Um, Yeah. If you want to have it get gayer, and you want to have it get more hopeful, and more about, like, uh, girlfriends being girlfriends and maybe girlfriends. Uh, there's 200 more like manga chapters of that happening. 
And if if the parts you liked were the most dreary, depressing, punishing, you know, pessimistic parts, then don't read the manga because it only gets more hopeful from here. Yeah, instead, go watch, like, your favorite part of Evangelion and Commit Suicide. Go read the Dead Man Wonderland manga instead. Yeah, we're joking. Don't kill yours. <laughs> <laughs> There's hope. Read Dead Man I'm Wonderland. At, I'm, I'm going to have to edit that What do you recommend? What, well, we already went We already that. did that. I did Actually, wait. I just remembered there is a, a Moopies Corner I would like to. Quickly, this is going to be express that. You have to do the uh, sound effect. Choo-choo! All aboard <laughs> Moopies Corner. Uh, stopping at the station for... Five minutes, okay? Five minutes. And then we're heading right. off to the end. Let's um, go. <laughs> I, one thing I really liked, I watched this dubbed. We didn't talk about that. I watched the English version of the of Watermote. It's much better dubbed. It's pretty good. Her voice is very, very good. And I wanted to talk for a second about her voice actor, actress. Uh, is it Monica Rial? Is that how I say it? Yeah. Monica Rial. She's very, very famous. And she, <laughs> the very first thing I thought when I first saw this show is like, what the fuck is up with her frog voice? She sounds like that chick in My Hero Academia. And then I found out it was her. I honestly like, oh, I hope I don't sound like that sometimes, but it is. <laughs> you it don't is. sound like Froppy. That's good. Do I sound like Watamote? You sound a little like Watamote, but not like Watamote. That's okay. Yeah, but anyway, uh, Monica uh, Rial does a very, very good job with the voice acting for Tomato, Tomoko. She's really good. and But she does like, uh, yeah, she really channels her froppiest of the voices she's done. She's done a thousand voices. She's done so many. Any any anime in English that you've watched, she's probably done one of the voices. She's done a lot. Um, yeah, I'm a fan of hers. And like I said, I always I'm like, God, I hope I don't sound like this character. Yeah, well, anyway, Monica Rial seems like a very nice person, so good job. You, you nailed it. Uh, and the other thing on Movie's Corner is that Hatsune Miku did the ending for episode six. And I thought that was funny. That is very cool. Yeah, I was looking up the, the performers for all the different songs because it's not the same for the, the normal opening and ending. They got other, other people to perform those ending songs and stuff. And Hatsune Miku does the one that's at the fireworks episode. Do Gen Z people know who Hatsune Miku is? Well, that's part of what I think is so funny is that seeing this now, it feels, it feels like, like when, they, when they invented robots and they were like Turkish like chess-playing robots that had like a little guy inside them winding the cogs. Yeah, like animatronics. That's what it feels like uh, listening to Hatsune Miku to me now. It feels so trapped in like, you know, crystallized in, a, in like 20, uh, you know, two decades now ago, like this is what will be the future of music. Yeah, it turns out that um, me and Mupi are stuck at the cultural zeitgeist of it because we don't understand VTubers still, so. Yeah, it, it is. It, it was very funny to think about uh, Watamote. You know what? Now that I, now that we that we've just reached the synthesis, I think if Watamote was made in twenty twenty two or twenty twenty three, she would be a VTuber. <laughs> the scene where she like instead of the mask, she gets like an avatar. <laughs> yes, yeah, and she's standing around. She's trying to like do like she's trying to do like full body VTuber and playing like a VR game, like the lightsaber game. And she goes and meets, like, a hollow live guy or something. Yeah. I mean, we have seen now the first round of VTuber, um, VTuber-related anime starting to come out, and they're extremely bleak and, like, <laughs> hard to watch in many ways. Both quality and just content, extremely bleak, for me at least. So I think yeah. that I'm very glad that Watamote didn't exist at a time when that was VTubing was an option, because I think that we would be going in a very different direction. 
Like I it's... feel insane watching the VTuber stuff. The v... I feel insane watching the VTuber anime, let alone trying to watch a VTuber VTube. I literally get the like ice cream so good girl before VTubers. It makes more sense because it's more directly honest about what it is, which is that it's a, a girl jumping up and down and bouncing while she goes ice cream so good yum yum. Yeah, you're like I control this woman or whatever. Yeah, money. it's like I understand what this is. VTubing is like partially something I don't understand mixed with something that I really hope it isn't. You know. Also, I feel like people always try to gaslight me on it. Well, that's part of what I was gonna say is that we I've been talking to I've been arguing online hopelessly and pointlessly uh, about VTubing for a couple of years now, and the argument always comes back to well, say what you will about VTubing, but this is helping all of the Wadamotes of the world. Not in, you know, now that's that I am now understanding that's what they're saying, but that, you know, not in those literal words, but people were saying like, oh, now people who can never be idols can be idols finally. And I'm just like, that's not good. That's a bad thing that there are more idols being exploited by fucked up weird Japanese companies that are essentially the same companies just doing internet now. See, I always wanted to be like boxy or something. I was like, oh, I should be boxy. That would be really epic. <laughs> Lonely Moopy 15. Yeah, I, I was gonna be like, I was like, I don't know, I would name my channel some like goofy thing, right. like at, like after fucking, I don't know, like an Unuyasha episode or something. Sure. And then like, um, the, the Shomaru's Playhouse or something. Yeah, and now people are like, I don't know, I'll get into Lolita fashion or something, and now people are just like, like cooming at like VTuber concerts. They pay like five thousand dollars for them. Just like I don't know. Man. My giant anime milk girl is uh, going to be fake singing on the computer. Also, they get mad when they see them, even. And also, what's crazy is they're like, no, it's really good for like trans people and like shutting girls. And it's like, you see them and they're all hot, talented girls in real life. And it's just like. Yeah, it's it's well, that's part of the kayfabe, I think, for people. This is this is not to say that you are a bad person for liking VTube listener. But as an old, weird man. <laughs> Uh, who's more focused on the financial side of this and like the incent, like the the uh, power dynamic of the incentives that exist in VTubing? Uh, I I can only see it as this as a very weird thing that I have a, a generally pessimistic view of. And yeah, I I uh, yeah, it's it's the the message that you're given is not matching what the reality of how the idol culture has proved to be to me. Yeah, I think that. If you VTube, if you do VTubing as a solo independent person who just does it for fun or a hobby, you know, if you're not in the professional realm of it, yes, I can see it absolutely being liberating and freeing and uh, innocent fun for people who are trying to understand their identity in a different way. I totally get that. But the arguments that I have with people specifically are about like VTube culture and the, the professional elements of it, which I do not think are as liberating as people try to make them out to be. Because it's just, it's idol culture in a different form it's the same thing my thing has always been like yes if someone is doing it for that reason or even like degen reasons i don't care whatsoever it's like mm -hmm. yeah that's cool honestly yeah. if i can make money vtubing i would be a vtuber right it's like sure. yeah i'm not judging the profession it is just like the yeah i it's just weird that like you're essentially giving pr for like coke or something with this like thing and yeah. you believe it at face value, and it just happens to reaffirm your hobby. And also makes your hobby virtuous simultaneously. Right. It's like you're doing well, it's... capitalism, but, like, ethically. And it's just like, I don't know, dude, it just seems silly. 
it's to me and the people other people could have a very different interpretation of this but to me it's the same thing as like horny coomers saying that only fans is gonna like is like liberating women and stuff yeah and it's like you're ignoring a lot of the the mechanics of like the systemic stuff that's at play when you when you interact with this thing and talk about what you think it's doing versus what it's actually doing uh in terms of like an economic system and like economic incentives and the professional element of it yeah i'll i'll never be able like i can't even get into k-pop and i understand why people are those guys dude it's mm. like backstreet boys except they're way hotter and way more talented it's insane take that back take that back <laughs> don't say that about justin it's time to spin the wheel yeah we've got our rant long enough let's let's spin yeah. i feel like we're getting in trouble for like i mean yeah like, i i've just lost you half of your audience no matter yeah. what size that it is it's fine well they probably didn't deserve to be here anyway yeah <laughs> i don't think anyone i think some people listen i think it's like it's just like gonna take a while we've only been out for like literally five days <laughs> like we just we days. just have our our podcast just became available <laughs> yeah i like just put the first video on youtube like accurately plugging it that's like where we're at did you include my vtuber <laughs> I added okay, let's spin the wheel. Never mind. <laughs> I'm done. We're we're good. Spin. I, I don't know how we got two hours out of one of them. I know. I know exactly how. Get Moopy talking about VTubing. Oh no. Oh. I don't even know what this says. It's something. It's a trigger show, I think. We landed on. Land of the Lustrous. It looks, it looks weird. weird. It looks very weird. I have heard a bit of this story. Uh, oh my god. Uh, the YouTube thumbnails on this are very funny. I heard um, it's darker than it looks and it's a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm open to watching this. What do you think? Let's see what Chat GPT says about Land oh, of boy. the Lustrous. Alright. What do you think? <laughs> Did you of? spell what correctly? The series is praised for its unique premise, stunning visuals, and character development. ChatGP is fucking useless. ChatGPT just read you the Wikipedia of what Land of the Lustrous is. But my favorite thing was uh, when we were writing, like, uh, stuff for Sardard online. Yeah. And I just, like, entered it just out of curiosity. And it was like, how, can, how has he become a world-famous character loved by millions? Oh, yeah, like, everyone loves Kirito. <laughs> it's like, what is this fluff for fucking Sword Art Online? Yeah, the ChatGPT fluff for Sword Art Online was incredible. This is giving me nothing. I'm in. You know, we watched two fun anime. Let's watch some weird shit. Let's go. Yeah, I think I'm not going to like the look of this, but I'm interested enough to watch it. All right. Um, We have an outro. We have an outro? Yeah, we'll see you next week for another episode of Chasing the Nimbus. Once again, my name is Nimu, and this is my co-host. It's Moopy. You can find all episodes on Spotify and all other major podcast networks. Be sure to leave reviews, follow, and rate us. Also, Click the link in the doobly No. Oh. Also, there's no link in the doobly We don't have a doobly do. No, what we're the not fuck? ahead. Come on now. Just say the like. Also, stop by the Nimu YouTube channel for more anime related videos. See you later, chasers. Not that kind of chasers, by the way.
You have to kick Craig. Bye, Craig. <laughs> Bye, Craig. <laughs>